when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. What's good, Internet? It's Monday, April 6th, and you're listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 304. I am your host, Austin Walker. I'm I'm filled with Mako energy, which is actually pretty deadly. Mako. I really miss thinking of it as Mako energy. I've I've thought about thought about making a a t-shirt that says actually it's Mako and like doing it phonetically. No. Yeah, I know. Same. Uh, Mako purist. Mako purist. Patrick Klepik has joined us. Uh, Matthew God, where where do you stand on the Mako issue? The Mako Mako issue. I'm I'm glad and thrilled to be hearing that other people also thought it was Mako. My whole life, my whole life, I thought it was. I would be curious. There's probably. Like a scientific explanation for like something in the English language that like when you look at that word, it makes you like default to that pronunciation. Like I just be wondering what's the like what the there's probably some sort of actually good story about like where people fell on those two pronunciations and why mm-hmm. you landed in that in that way. I don't know. But well, so curious. here my question here is, is it also a Mako shark? And not a Mako no. shark. Oh, you! Oh my! No! Oh my what the God! Fuck? You've just I cracked the case. I think wide it is. open. No fucking I think way. I'm on. I'm on Wikipedia, and it says the A is the A that you would pronounce in father. So yes, I think it's a Mako shark and not a Mako shark, which this means Mako there must be some Maori. Fuck. <laughs> I my suspi- my suspicion is that there is some sort of like zoo books ad. Or you know what I mean, like an episode of some some like you know all that like something that we watched where someone said a Mako shark and in our heads it was like zip zip Mako that's a word add it to your dictionary pronounce it Mako and that my, would be it for forever. My immediate thought is the word make right M A K yeah that's yeah yes but yes a hundred percent Mako 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 yeah we'll just forget <laughs> about how but like because looking at it phonetically. There isn't. You need the e to make the make sound, the a, right, the right. a sound, a. and we just forgot that shit. O is basically an e. Mako. You just move the o around a little bit, <laughs> and you got an e. Uh, anyway, as as you might have guessed, we're here to talk about Final Fantasy VII remake, um, which is coming On out episode three hundred four. Yes, of Waypoint Radio three plus yeah, four seven. seven. Put it together, folks. <laughs> Look. Half-Life um, 3 confirmed. Uh, well, this isn't even a full seven. This is like one-third of a seven. Final Fantasy seven over one-third. <laughs> I will say, here is what I will say. Someone asked me Someone asked me the other day if, as someone who still remembers Final Fantasy seven really well, if they should Not play... Me. Well, yeah, sure. If they should play this remake. And I said, this isn't a remake. This is Final Fantasy seven remake. And you have to think about the word remake as if it were a Kingdom Hearts title. 
Like <laughs> yeah. it's a it's a verb. This is the that is what this game is. This is this is a remake. Um, and I think this is the number one question people have sent into us uh, is should I play this even if I know this or or you know it, do they do more than just uh, retell the same events? And the answer is yes. The oh, answer yes. is there is more here than what there was before in in many different ways actually. Um, and, and we'll, we'll talk about those and we'll answer some of your questions throughout the day, uh, or throughout the, the episode. Patrick, just as a heads up, I know you have to bounce at a certain point. It'll, um, it's my, uh, it's my wife and, uh, now new daughter, which I Congratulations Thank to you. Patrick. Um, this is um, why we have to protect the planet because of the mm-hmm. children who are, who are <laughs> arriving, <laughs> who are the future. Um, uh, they're, they're off on a scavenger hunt. Um, so the, the, the length of my podcast, uh, These fucking I, eggs, they're everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> animal crossing eggs. Not going to take very no. long. No, actually, actually Nintendo the... patched that this morning. Yeah, I saw. I'm so fucking thankful. Yeah. I'm like, we've, genuinely had, we've had to stop. We've had to stop talking <laughs> about, uh, Easter around our uh, oldest daughter, Jessica, because, uh, Easter to her is, Oh, I'm going to go hang out with a bunch of people and find Ooh. eggs. And it's like, yeah, no, nah, Easter Bunny's on vacation, uh, Jessica. Sorry, um, you know, not going to happen. Oh, Bunny. Um, we... <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bunny. Oh, Bunny. Um, so, uh, uh, where do we start? Matthew, you you reviewed it for yes. the site, and, and you're the one who's completed it all the way. I'm, I'm probably halfway through. I'm at chapter 11, I want to say, something like that, for people who... Who, uh, you know, I'm not even gonna. Sp- uh, I'm after the sewers for people. For that could be about any RPG ever. I'm after the, <laughs> the, the fucking the sewer section that goes too long, and that they, it's still it's not that long. It's, it's actually not that long. Second level in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game. I think so. That yeah. sounds right. And I'm and I'm 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 like slightly after the Dementor attack. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. I've been I've been messaging what? other people who've been playing this game to be like, yo. What's up with these Dementors, though? Why are there Dementors in this game? Oh, yeah. Not a spoiler. In the first, like, a couple of minutes, don't worry. This is the thing that's so so wild. We could talk about the first seven minutes after the demo ends and how immediately it communicates that they're doing something else with this game. Even even the, uh, the intro to the game is different than the demo in which you get scenes of right yes of of society and community that are not communicated in the demo which the demo is meant to be explicitly just as you know uh hey remember the train sequence right. from the, the beginning run. of the game yes where yes, cloud exactly. uh, jumps off the train whereas this is like the 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 new actual intro opens in like daylight in midgar in general there's a lot of daylight in midgar in this game even in the slums which is a new thing like in the the original game, it was very much the idea that was that like the the plates above Midgar is a is a literal um, uh, stratified city in which there is a top plate that Barrett uh, plate uh, side right there's right exactly there's plate side that Barrett uh, f- uh, affectionately calls that fucking pizza this giant <laughs> circular plate on which a top city an upper city <clears throat> where all of the kind of rich uh, middle managers and bureaucrats live. Uh, um, that work for the big power company, the Shinra Power Company, and below that is the slums where the bulk of people live, including many people who have to go work up, up you know, topside um, and commute via these trains. Um, and in the original, it's like they're pretty explicit. Like it's always nighttime down there. And here, like I think they built they built out a model. Like, well, that can't work because the sun will be setting sometimes. And when it's setting, 
it, you'll get the sunlight still. Like it's you'll still see. It was the also blue meant sky. to like communicate like yes. a, a sense of like place through the darkness. And like I can't remove yes. that from my mind, but I will. I'm with you that it was one of the more striking bits. Is like when you the first major area that you're in, like hanging out in the slums, is like oh. It's just it's just sunny down here. It's not yeah. great, but you know it is. Yeah. It's, it's not it's, like there's it, a. I think they're doing something different, like importantly. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm about halfway. Matthew, you finished this game. Yes, I've played it to completion. Took about I'm sure people will want to know uh, 46 hours, and there is end game stuff that I think I could conceivably do for something like 10 to 30. Jesus. Uh, wow. with, Would yeah, you with, want to do them? That's like uh, they're mm. y- yes. <laughs> Okay. Yes, yeah, some of I don't know if I want to do all of it, but okay. some of it, yes, because I enjoy the combat system. Yeah, that much. Like yeah. it feels really good to move around in this world. The characters feel distinct, and they feel like they fill roles in the party. Um, and the materia system feels good. You yeah. know, it it's this weird game that's kind of it's hitting all these nostalgic places. You know, from me and my middle school years, and it's also completely revamped in ways that are very interesting and they are doing, you know, story changes as you have, have uh, both alluded to there. I think we should go ahead. Go, sorry. <clears throat> I was just going to say, I think we should start with that kind of broader conversation about how we feel about the game. Uh, I think that there is a pretty clear early bit through which we can talk about some story stuff without it being too spoilery in terms of mm-hmm. when I talk about what's different, which is up through the second reactor, um, which is which in the original Final Fantasy VII is like forty five minutes into the game, but in this is like six or seven hours into the game. <laughs> um, I think that communicates a lot, maybe about yeah. what this game is and how different it is. Um, but even just broader, like, can you talk about the combat and setup? What it feels like for people who who haven't played the demo, or or even <clears throat> you know, I I definitely I watched people play through the demo, and I obviously played through the beginning of this game, and it doesn't really the combat doesn't really click. I think until. Um, or it, I think it clicks, it's fine, but I don't think you necessarily have a handle on it in such a way that you could appreciate it until maybe you get towards some of the kind of early mid-game bosses that really push you to to internalize how it works. Um, do you want to explain yeah. how it works a little bit? Yeah, so I think, and I think the demo could feel a little bit overwhelming uh, in terms of the combat, because I feel like they're throwing a lot of concepts at you very quickly um, and you've suddenly got this boss fight and you're kind of, you're managing these two party members, Barrett and Cloud, and one's, you know, range, one's close up. Um, but anyway, so it's a third person, um, uh, action driven combat. Really uh, close third person. <laughs> really, yeah, Exceptionally really close third person. Close third person. Um, and you, you can, can back pause. that up, by the way. Uh, I did that you immediately. Can? I went into the. Oh. I went into the the men, like I'm. I it has made my time with this game so much better. I there hate was, how close it is. You just three you have different, just made my day. Yeah. There were three I different I, views. I wish I had known that. Uh, you can go back <laughs> to a third. You can go, they don't communicate go, it. It's not. Know, it's, it's not bad. like a. Ugh. This is like an old habit of going into the options immediately because. Yeah. Uh, so I have it set so it's the furthest back it can be in the exploration, <laughs> and then I go to the middle one for combat because I want to be a little bit more close and into it there, and I, I like that feeling of zooming in even if it doesn't do the like 
like the the wind, like the uh, whirlwind. We're loading in a random battle effect. It doesn't happen. I still want to zoom in a little bit, you know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that is my recommendation for when this game comes out and people play it. If they feel claustrophobic, zoom that fucking camera out. It's in the. I options. wish that was on like yeah. the um, touchpad, like just should, just oh, like yeah. just like swipe down on the touchpad and totally. you could just like manipulate the camera in real time. Anyway, sorry, we interrupted Galt for uh, the seventh time. That's all right. That would have been yeah. That would have been extremely extremely helpful, especially <laughs> oh, some of the, the later boss <laughs> boss fights. Oh yeah, that makes me sad. Um, but so you've got, you're always in control of one party member, active control of one party member. And the more damage they do, the more damage they take. If you've played the other Final Fantasy VII, it builds up, uh, an ATB meter. You use these ATBs to do things in combat. So, uh, cast spells, use items. You can always attack, uh, and you can always block and dodge. But if you want to, you know, cast a spell, you want to cast ice on somebody, you want to use one of Cloud's abilities, uh, you have to basically earn the right to do that through either taking damage or dealing damage. And when you go into the, you go into a tactical menu, it's kind of like Fallout 4, uh, where it slows time down quite a bit. It does not pause it. And that's where you make your decisions about casting, you know, you know, potion on somebody or using certain abilities. Now, yeah, and you can only use items even on, during, yes. by spending one of those ATB like Which I constantly chunks. have forgotten. I'm like, cool. It's, I'm like, all right. I I can't cast cure, but don't worry. I'll just go use an item. I'm like, oops, no. Go no. go go whack that thing for another thirty seconds, and then yeah. you can do the item. So, but it's cool. I I like. I feel like there's a different version of this game that didn't make that delineation because I think it's like a very specific choice to make every action cost a point as opposed to just traditionally like magic or special abilities costing a point. I like it because it prevents. I think in some uh, Japanese RPGs, it's easy to like spam that those those item potions, right? Mm-hmm. Just very kind of heal through things. Um, and this, I had to be constantly thinking about like what my group dynamic was going into a boss battle. Sometimes I would get wiped, and I'd have to go back in with different materia and different ability set. Um, so, kind of yeah. where this gets more complicated and interesting is uh, every enemy has a stagger meter, and they have weaknesses. Um, you want to get that stagger meter down because once you do, it kind of breaks them. It stops combat and you are allowed to just dump. Everyone can just dump damage on them. So what you end up doing is you have characters that are you know, maintaining the party, they're healing. And then I, I would usually have Barrett kind of on the, uh, on the outskirts, just hitting st- the stagger meter, right? Um, setting, setting other characters up for cloud to then come in and deal massive damage on the back end. And that's just kind so of wait, one. Did you have Barrett basically set up then as like, uh, with a bunch of attack material or a bunch of like, uh, magic materia, because a lot of the staggers are tied to elemental weaknesses. Um, yes, that's interesting. So I have Barrett. Set- so this is like, this is the thing about this game is this game still has the materia system. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit, it's, it is distinct in some ways from the original. There are some differences from that system. If you don't know what the materia system is, it was actually one of my major problems with the original game. Um, I mean, I loved the, I loved Final Fantasy VII when it came out. And I guess we should briefly just like, what is our history here? Um, uh, Kato, have you, did you play the original Final Fantasy VII or is this going to be your first time in this world? You play the PC one, right? I feel like oh, we've right. unfortunately yes. done this. Yes. Yeah, we've done this Final Fantasy VII. Seven origin yeah, story a couple times now. But that's yes, the thing. 100%. That's the thing is that I, I barely remember it and I didn't play very much because the second CD was scratched. So Right, right. I don't um, I don't even barely remember like I think technically I left Midgar because I saw Chocobo racing. Yeah. That's the last you vivid know who memory Sephiroth I have. Is. Yeah, in theory. 
I mean, I know just through <laughs> fucking cultural osmosis, yeah, right? Yeah, like fucking, yeah, like yeah, he's in fucking totally. Kingdom God. Hearts and shit. So, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Sorry, I'm like in my thoughts about this new game, uh, uh-huh. Patrick. You were there in the front lines uh, of IRC channels and, and message boards during. Final Fantasy VII's original release, presumably. Yeah, I mean, I I had, uh, you know, uh, I guess where we're the game's out. Lots of people, you know, the major spoiler, the the spoiler, yeah, um, something that I I learned through a message board troll Hmm. before the game uh, came out in America because you know this for folks that are uh, younger. You live in a world where (laughs) games just basically come out on the same day, or the difference between release schedules is like oh it came out in new zealand 12 hours ahead of me on the on the launch period <laughs> right. um where it, it used to be often many japanese games didn't come over or could come out a year or years later i don't think that was the case with final Fantasy VII, but there was still a disparity between the two and um i just remember like scrolling through whatever aol message board and having like blank you know blank and i was like oh uh-huh. you know i didn't have an emotional attachment yet but it was still one of my earliest experiences with uh, trolling, um, like Final Fantasy VI, um, is is far and away like <clears throat> if I have to pull a Final Fantasy out of a hat, you know that's that's the one that meant the most to me. I spent the most time um, with it, despite the fact that I've never finished it. I always, I made it to the end hmm. and twice had to return it to the family video that was near our place, and <laughs> some motherfuckers would just delete the save even though there were Fuck. more save slots. So Fuck I've that. made it to like the final. Um, area on the big island in the sky of Final Fantasy VI multiple times, but never actually defeated uh, Kefka. Um, but, um, but Final Fantasy VII, I was a little older. It's probably the first game I remember getting like, oh, stories are important. Like that's part of, you know, I experienced a lot of uh, video games from my primary media um, sort of exposure. You know, I read, read books and watched movies, but the one that meant something to me was video games. And so Final Fantasy VII, because it uh, really was like it's, it's advertising showed none of you know, it was famously no gameplay. It was all the sweeping cutscenes. Like that's how they pitched it to try and get American audience to play a genre they had. Like JRPGs were not popular in America prior to uh, at least on a, like a pop culture level prior to FF7. And that game just like swept me away. Like everything about the world and its characters. And you know, I've mentioned before, I hit the clock to you know, nine, 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 because I just wanted to stay in there. And so even though of the, of that era of that, those, that trilogy on PS1, Final Fantasy VIII is the one that like has my heart. Like Final Fantasy VII is the one that ultimately means the most to me because I found it to be so personally transformative in terms of how I looked at or even thought about video Video games. games, Yeah, sure. And, and Galt, you were, I'm guessing you were also, uh, based on your review in which you, you kind of leverage the double-edged sort of nostalgia a little bit. You were also someone who is a fan of the original when when it came out. I was, I actually kind of have a unique relationship to this game. Um, I'm Seth Roth. Uh, (laughs) and this is my story. Oh man, I I was kind of one of those kids though, but I don't want to talk about that. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, so this came out. I didn't have a PlayStation at the time. I lo- I loved Final Fantasy VI; that was just incredible. And this game came out a couple days before my birthday, and I was able to cajole and bully my parents into getting me the PlayStation and the and Final Fantasy VII. Um, and this was also the first time that you had to buy a memory card uh-huh. for your system. So I, we buy this memory card. The guy upsells my dad on one of these fancy memory cards that can store so many more games. Um, 
problem was it didn't like Final Fantasy VII, and I would get out of Midgar, and it would reformat. And yeah, this happened <laughs> no. three times before a friend who had like a like an EGM oh. or something was like, hey, they're writing about your memory card here. It looks like it's a common problem. You just have to get a different one, and then you'll be fine. I was like, oh, thank you. And then I did it, and I got through Midgar, you know, again, got out, and I was able to start playing the game, and the buddy came back around. He's like, hey, how far are you? And I was like, oh, I'm, you know, I just got out of Midgar again. I just met Yeffy. Uh, and he's like, oh, wow, you're still not even to the part where, major spoiler. Oh, right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Just uh, dropped it on, yeah. yeah. I was like, and then at that point, I was so, I'd played through Midgar so many times, and I was just ready to be done with it. I kind of sped through and didn't enjoy any of the back half, which is where there's so much good stuff. Um, so I remember Midgar really well, and then everything else is a blur. Well, good news. This game takes place entirely in Midgar. Um, <laughs> the whole thing I'm setting up here is that I, I very much loved Final Fantasy VII when it came out. It was it meant so much to me as like a young fan of cyberpunk and dystopic fiction and like thinking about the future and oh my god this is a game that has themes and not that final fantasy 6 didn't but i wasn't at the place where i needed to be with final fantasy 6 i think um uh in terms of exploring that stuff or thinking about it in a way that i wanted to make it part of my identity i was very much in that part of of adolescence where a thing i, I was the things i liked and so final fantasy 7 became that to the point where I was defending every choice it made. And, you know, like you just, you inhabit a certain, a certain, you know, space when you're a kid or a teenager where you're like, like, this is me, this is mine. Um, and Final Fantasy VII was that for me, you know, fan art and writing my own stories and, you know, doing online RP and like thinking about what the world was beyond everything. And, and for that version of me, uh, the the thing I wanted most in my life was a game set with where there was more Midgar shit because I loved Midgar so much. It's not that I didn't love the rest of the game; I loved the whole game. But I was like, oh, I wish I wish there'd been more in Midgar. So in some ways, this was like a, a godsend. <laughs> this this game would have been a godsend to like thirteen to seventeen year old like Edge Lord Austin. Um, uh, but when I went back to the game, um, uh, the second and the third and the fourth time, trying to get through it again and again, uh, I got through it in college and I liked it. And then after college, when I was you know like in my first apartment on my own, uh, or not my own, but with roommates, I was like, oh, I should replay Final Fantasy VII. And I found myself really disliking the Materia system because what had been a fun toy to, to mess around with, what had been a good way to break the game by the end of the original Final Fantasy VII, had now made it feel like the characters didn't have much character at all. Um, mm -hmm. For people who don't know, the Materia system is the kind of like... Um, unique way in which Final Fantasy VII handles magic and many other abilities in the original. Um, you had weapons and armor that had these slots where you would put in these magical gems called materia um, that were, of course, the, the coalesced life stream, uh, <laughs> the, the ether that moves through everything in the world and, and which runs under the world. Uh, and, and you put those into your armor and your weapons um, in order to give them magical properties and let you do things like cast the fire spell or cast, you know, a healing spell or cast resurrection or raise. 
Um, uh, the there also though were special materia that gave you bonus or, like extra things. So you could like uh, your your armor could have like two slots next to each other, or it could have two slots connected to each other. And who the two connected? Maybe you put in a fire materia in one, and then you put one that's like the all materia that turns the fire materia into an AOE attack that hits the entirety. I didn't know the word AOE at the time uh, or the the, the acronym <laughs> AOE, but it turns it into like oh wow, I hit everybody. You know, it, it makes it makes it so fire hits everybody. Maybe you have um a, you know a, a special material that, that lets one of your party members copy the last thing that someone on your side did, and so you have someone who's just like decked out in super materia, and then someone who just has the like mimic that person materia, and they don't need to have good stats to just drop a second you know whatever the super powerful spell is, um and that system is back to a large extent here, um but it it I will say and this is one of the questions that came in was uh, people were saying. Does is there still that sense of character um, uh, that you find in other Final Fantasy games where the characters feel distinct? And the answer to me is yes. I think that system totally works. Um, you do get to, in the case that we were talking about, if I can continue, if I can can continue to rebuild the Matroshka doll that I've been slowly uh, building with this conversation that goes layers and layers deep. The fact that your Barrett. Um, it was d- different than mine, Matthew, that you seem to have made one who focuses on staggering, and I have one that's currently decked out as a tank with abilities to draw aggro, with abilities to protect uh, oh, himself and the team. Like, he's my person who has barrier. He's the person who I, I use his default abilities, and this is where I'm getting to. Um, steel, steel skin, and um, what's the one that lets him uh, stand in for damage? Lifesaver. Lifesaver. I use those a lot with him, and so he is the person who takes harm while other people are building stagger up on enemies and i actually have cloud as like my big tank my big um nuker like he's the one who has a bunch of my magic my attack magic on um uh him and Aerith basically are split between and so the materia system lets you really craft these characters in the way that you you want but one of the big things that's different here is one these characters just feel different to play each mm-hmm. one feels so distinct there the combat uh, systems are like um, um, really fun to interact with, as 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 Gall just said. But also, there's a degree of like um, moving them around. The space just feels different, right? Like even yeah. you know, both Tifa and and Cloud are melee characters, but Tifa is so much faster. Tifa just gets in and is just like hammering out hits, whereas Cloud makes these big, almost like Dark Soulsian swings, uh, where <laughs> you can get caught in a in a combat animation and like fuck, I'm getting hit in a place I didn't want to get hit because I overcommitted. And with Tifa, it's way easier. Just like Bop, I'm back, I'm backing out, I'm getting out of here. Um, and that is really really cool. On top of that, they have their own unique abilities that that have that are just about weapons that they have. And the weapons, if you use their abilities enough, and if you do certain like bonus challenges, you internalize those abilities permanently. So, for instance, one of the earliest ones is that uh, Cloud gets uh, a thing that lets him do like a forward thrust, or maybe that's is that the first one is the forward thrust. What's the one you get after that? Do you remember? The f- yeah, the first one is it's brave. You start, oh, you start with, with braver, braver, so it is the thrust and forward. You, I think you start with mm, both of okay. them, or maybe. Okay. It's just well, then you get, a, you get on the sword. There's like a triple slash. The like triple the, slash. That's what it is. Yeah, you're right. And that move fucking slaps. That move is so <laughs> good. Uh, you get a, really. You get a, I never used it. It's so powerful, and you don't want to know what's the best thing for is well, you know, it the, builds a power on each attack, right? So each successive yes. hit, it it um, I don't know if it's exponential, but like it's you're if you can get that third hit to land, especially like in a group situation, you can really you can just uh, crush some groups. It's like an AOE uh, for him, but also you know that box mini game called. 
Yes. It's so good for that. It crushes those big boxes <laughs> very quickly. That's a tip for y'all mm. out there. Save <laughs> that triple sl- – use the triple slash sword. Um, anyway, because of those abilities, you end up feeling like the, each character is distinct also, and they all have their own different things. So, like, Aerith gets a thing where she can put, like, a ward on the ground that makes a certain area special for magic casting, where if you stand in it, you can – if you cast any attack spell, it actually casts twice for the same amount of mana as it would cast once. Huh. And so I had her, like, setting up a zone, trying to protect that zone, basically, and, like, I would rush other characters there to go cast their offensive magic so I would get more bang for my buck, especially when I was low on MP and stuff. Um, and so that is just... That makes these characters feel different in this action RPG setting, uh, which brings back so much character about who they, you know, who they are because of how they fight. And that, that really helped for me. Um, um, I just, even the way they... Uh, I was go, just gonna ask really let's quick go, to that. Yeah, to that, um, you said that the abilities come off the weapons. Uh, the 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 special ones I'm talking about now, yes, yeah, the like triple slash. But then you learn them, and once you learn, so yeah, so them, like you, when you equip a weapon, you will get access to that weapon's specific ability, mm-hmm. and then if you stick with it long enough. You internalize it and then can move on to okay, cool. a different weapon. So, like, let's say you're using a weapon whose character specific, right? Like the the type. Yeah. So, like, it's, right, you're right. going through a sword chart with with cloud, yes, and so maybe yes. the case that maybe you don't want to like, and each each uh, individual weapon has sub upgrades that are happening on a stat level. Yes. That maybe you like the stat upgrades on a different weapon better, but you want to spend, you know, go grind out and make sure you can get this ability that you can mm-hmm. bring over so that you can internalize the special ability and then go equip the sword that you actually prefer because the stat upgrades there are better for that whatever is, build you're emphasizing. I love this about this game is that the weapons aren't linear replacement, like, mm-hmm. upgrades. Mm-hmm. It's not that, like, you get the better sword. Or when you when you tend to get a weapon, it feels like it's the better weapon, um, or at least for a moment. Um, but then you're like, wait a second, actually, if I go back and put my X P so you get you get um as you level up you get like weapon points or skill points <clears throat> that go into these skill trees in each inside of each weapon. You zoom into the weapon to reveal <laughs> a cosmos uh, of orbiting like you know energy spheres. Uh, they're not quite dress spheres, unfortunately, but um and each <laughs> weapon has its own set of these things that unlock as you continue to level up. Um, and what ends up happening is that you go like, oh, okay, wait, this isn't the Buster Sword from the beginning of the game isn't bad. It's actually pretty good if I give it these certain upgrades, mm. um, and you get the same amount of skill points per weapon. So no, it's not. And, like, and well, that's that's what's huge yes. is that you don't have to feel as often. Games will force you into that linear upgrade path, even if you wanted to divert because well, hey, you're going to put these points into the new thing, and there's no reason to go back, which is here. Your skill points are as you as you get them for one weapon. There you are getting those skill points for another weapon because it's tied to the level of the character, not the level of of yeah. the weapon. And, and so you can, it's and you, you can reset, reset them, them at any time. I, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Okay, cool. um, and that stuff all adds up to being a really a really like fun system to interact with. Um, in a way that I didn't really love, like the Final Fantasy 15 combat, which I think you could make some mm-hmm. comparisons to. Mm-hmm. I don't love Kingdom Hearts combat, which you can definitely make some comparisons to here. 
Um, this just feels I, I, I love switching between characters. I love like moving to the person who has the, you know, a little bit more health to, to like basically be my off tank in a sense in a fight <laughs> or to, to, you know, oh, I really need Barrett to get the to get his his ATB up. Let me switch over to him really quick or stuff like that has been really fun. Um, uh, and again, I'm like halfway through the game. Um, uh, which means I've fought a lot of a, a lot of bosses at this point, and I want to just underscore that this game and God, you can you can speak to this. Maybe this is a hard game in some places, even on yes. normal. Um, yeah, yeah. There's definitely been several times where I've like wiped, and one of the one of the things I think is great about this is when you wipe, it allows you to restart right before the battle you just did, yes. even if it was like a boss, and you can go into the pause menu. And you can rearrange your materia, you know, switch out your different items and weapons and, and reconfigure and readjust and then go back into the fight with the knowledge that you had. Um, also, shout and- out to the, them letting you pull materia and equipment and whatever else you need off of party members who are not in the party currently. Yes. They yeah. never shut off. They never say, oh, well, well, Barrett's off doing this other thing. So you can't you can't get that ice material you put on him. And it's gone. Like, no, you've always you got always, access to it. Yeah, okay. exactly. There's no there's no narrative justification for that. Who cares? <laughs> Let me get that ice material. Um, and yeah. The, so just th- you have to think about the the encounter you're going into, what that monster might be uh, uh weak against and then how you're going to tackle it with your party. And you're constantly thinking about that. And it's very satisfying when you go in there, correct. And yes. just dominate the monster mm. after it's wiped you out. Yes. Um, it's, it's also it's, pretty satisfying when you squeak out a win. And, yes. Oh yeah. Um, I, this game has made me, has made, has clarified for me words I've said in the past about difficulty and feelings I've had about difficulty. I think that I'm like, a little notorious for saying that I don't think Dark Souls is a particularly hard game, which doesn't mean that I don't think it has, that it isn't a game that punishes failure or punishes mistakes. But I, or, or rather, I think it is a game that doesn't necessarily punish those things because you can always go grind and failure, you know, is only a temporary setback. This game is harder to me than Dark Souls in a real way because it's about, and that's actually really pleasant for my brain, because it's about a degree of mental load. In mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. difficult boss fights, which of which there are many in this game, um, including many that were that did not exist in the original Final Fantasy VII, there are lots of conversations in this game that are now boss fights. Um, <laughs> I don't mean that there's a conversational boss fight mechanic. I mean like Shit. a character will show up and it's like, oh, I guess we're fighting now, even though this was just literally three lines of dialogue in the original. Um, now we're gonna show our like, metal, for, like the uh, uh, the, the first soldier that you encounter is that the case oh, no that dude one that guy doesn't even exist in the game in the original okay. final fantasy right. 7 see, i see i don't there i don't is, it's been long is, enough that i, I it's hard for Love me Tim to tell what's we'll, new or or not yeah we'll zoom in and talk about that specific sequence because i think it's really illustrative of what this game is uh for sure um but like uh i don't want to i'm not gonna give a spoiler but like there are major npcs who are like seated in the first like couple of hours of final fantasy 7 you're like oh who's that person and now the answer is they're the one who who fights with a cool stick they're the one who does like the big cesaro like wrestling swing that grabs you by your legs and spins you around <laughs> um it's very funny uh but 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 um, to win some of these fights means to be dialed in and thinking about party composition, thinking about where people are in the battlefield. There was like the there's a boss fight in a coliseum, uh, which is also new to this game. Um, and that boss fight, like I beat it my first try, but it pushed me to the fucking brink. Like I 
couldn't, I was, it was the most difficult thing. And that was really rewarding for me, but I do want to just signpost that and say, there is an easy difficulty available. There is a, there is a, a classic difficulty available where all you're interacting with is the ATB system. Um, you can see footage of that because the demo is out there. And that system, I think, is, is pretty straightforward where, like, all you're doing is spending ATB meter while the, while the party AI, the, like the, the, it's as if you're just an invisible party member and all the other party members are, are on AI, blocking correctly, dodging correctly, using their, the right attacks, and all you're doing is using your special abilities and materia. So, like, don't be afraid of using those modes if what you're here for is the story, uh, which, which seems to be the, the case with a lot of people. But if you do want a really engaging high intensity action, you know, system, this is a game that gives you that. Um, and again, it just, it really, it really clicked into place why for me, for me, something like Dark Souls, which has, which is enjoyable, um, or, or like Sekiro is really enjoyable, never feels like I'm like upset when I die or like, it doesn't, it doesn't strike the same thing as difficult for me. And it's because of it, it does not have this degree of mental load, which is so fascinating. Um, anyway, Galt, so you you where are you at now so you've beaten the game how are you feeling i rolled the credits and you feel good about it all said Uh, yeah i feel great um you feel do you feel like it was a complete experience which i think is is another question we've gotten a bunch is like hey is this going to be part one of five does this does this leave you on a bad cliffhanger do you feel like you got a real full game uh so this is it this is really interesting i'll try to talk about this without yeah without talking um, about it without talking about it uh, but I think uh, to make this that section of the game a complete narrative experience, um, you have to make certain changes to the entire storyline of that section and do other things at the end. Um, I was not surprised by how they handled uh, giving this game a climax, uh, and I but I was very satisfied with it. Okay. Um, so you it did was kind leave. of I, I saw what was coming. That makes me so curious. Dude. Oh, so okay, oh, can we have- <laughs> let's zoom in then let's zoom in and talk about what we mean when we say this game is not just a simple remaster or a simple remake. Um I'm gonna I think we should talk. Let's take a quick break and we come back okay. we'll talk about some story stuff. Um uh, I guess last thoughts here on non on the completely non-spoiler side of this. Is there anything else anyone <clears throat> anyone wants to shout out as a cool mechanic or an element of the game that people might have might have non-spoilery questions about? Um, music. I want to say that the music has been surprisingly good. I did not love so some of the music leaked last last month, and I didn't love most of what I heard. It was mostly very like orchestral takes on classic Final Fantasy because well, that's music. mostly what you like often see. And yes, um, hey, we're gonna remake this, which means taking the uh, you know you know more you know, archaic by virtue of time uh, music and just putting it in front of an orchestra, which makes it. I mean, it's true. Like just putting any any type of music in front of an orchestra makes it sound "quote unquote" like more epic. But that often feels not necessarily true to the spirit. And because the, the music of FF Seven holds up like exceptionally well, I think it's one of uh, Umatsu's like best like holistic like compositional works. And I do think there are uh, there are they don't they don't turn everything into an orchestra. And there are times when you're going through that I appreciated some of the restraint yes. they showed in. Um, they, they seem to pick their moments on when, hey, we're going to go give this a full orchestral treatment to uh, play up the the melodrama. And then, hey, this is just going to be, you know, you're wandering through town and you're going to, um, I actually like, that's one of my favorite I bits. Love, is like, yeah. wander, so wandering through town, you will, um, 
the music kind of changes based on whether like you're near the item shop or you're near seventh heaven and you can, if you want, like collect the music and then play them in the jukebox, which I don't care about that part. Cause it's not, I don't, you're not I'm sure there's an achievement the at the end of it. Jukebox and listen to the music. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, because it's not like you turn it on. Well, I, I guess you do get to listen to you, it when in you're the in bar. there. Listen, I put on hip hop to chocobo in that bar. <laughs> that but song slaps. What I, but what I what I what it uh, functionally what it does, if you're not interested in the collection aspect of it, is that when you go through an area in the corner, there'll be like three question marks. Where it's like, hey, uh, this is a new music piece that you haven't heard or you haven't identified yet. And so as you start buying them, and they're very cheap, it's like, like you know, fifty gil or something, yeah, right? f- fifty gil. Like it's it's it, pretty quickly in the game after a couple of hours, it's going to not stop you from buying you know a high potion or something like that. Um, is that it fills in and you just kind of, you know, the different pieces of music kind of come on in the same way that, um, you know, the movies will show like a location setting. And it's just it's just neat. It's like a little piece of history and it's just a tiny detail that, um, you know, I've played like six or seven hours that I, I, I appreciate it. It makes it made me go back and buy. The, I was like, I don't need this music. I was like, oh, that question mark is going to drive me up a wall. <laughs> um, and so I bought that. But then I, I appreciated having that pit uh, kind of filled in. From a sound design perspective, I also love the cascade of voices as you're moving through the city streets. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very well designed, I think. It's a smart way of removing a thing that doesn't make sense in RPGs, mm-hmm. like of of a certain era of like, hey, every uh, you know character you can talk to, and they will talk to you because ca- characters just fucking love talking to you. <laughs> yeah. And like this game tries to like ratchet that down to you're only meaningfully talking to important characters, but clearly there's like a community, uh, you know, around you, and so it just you know dumps those off into a, a corner column kind of like a twitch chat or something like that and <laughs> it just gives you a sense of the community and i think it's a, just a smart way of like eliminating something that makes no sense it really is like sorry a twitch, i'm laughing of- i'm laughing about the spoiler and i'm thinking f's in the chat and i was picturing <laughs> cloud walking down the street after the big spoiler and people f f f anyway uh um god uh. Uh, no, you're totally right, though. Um, I, I wish that, that that stuff can be clunky sometimes because it repeats or it's set up in branches, where, or not branches, but in stages where it's like the first stage of the conversation, then there's a break, yeah. and then there's a second stage. And the ideal is that every time you walk through, you're getting a little bit more of the bit, but sometimes you get the first bit twice in a row or you miss part of it. Um, also say, when you're doing that that much writing, that writing tends to be... Uh, where some of the where stuff can slip through the cracks, and there can be some stuff that just like isn't quality. Um, there is definitely I want to just call it. There's a bad one in Wall Market that is basically a gag built around a sexual threat, uh, yeah. like a sexual assault threat that is like really striking and bad. And it turns out to be like, oh no, psych, we're talking about collectible candy. We're not talking. I'm not threatening this woman. I'm, and it's like you can't. You cannot like Wall Market is already the part of this game that is going to be the most talked about and the most uh, the most stressful for people going into it uh, who are worried about the the, the ways in which uh, they handle questions around queerness and questions around representation. So you cannot that is not the place to fuck up and put in your sexual assault joke. Anyway, what were you going to say, Galt? No, it's I think you nailed it. <laughs> okay. I think that's that's absolutely right. Like you can't do that in Wall Market. Wall Market no. is for all the reasons you said. 
Yeah, uh, we'll get to Wall Market also. I think we should at least talk a little bit about it because mm-hmm. it's one of the most storied and and at the time, you know, deeply problematic, but also deeply reflective of certain attitudes and certain hi- uh, particular queer history. And we'll talk a little bit about that at least in the second half. Yeah, it's, um, it's interesting what parts of it were lovingly recreated and which were completely avoided. What new, yep. sh- completely new shit is there too? Yep. Kato, you had a uh, question. Uh, yeah, just before we go into spoiler land or whatever yeah one yeah. the quick mechanical thing um i was wondering whether or not any of the like uh attack patterns change or if like the material system is strong enough to like that doesn't really matter because you're kind of leaning more on that stuff in terms of weapons you mean uh, just like your, yeah your like right player, now your character attack yeah in the, in the demo yeah. for example uh cloud has basically two there's the one that you hold down that has a wider kind of range and then there's the, like, yeah. the tapping combo one like do those things ever mix up depending on the weapons and stuff or is it mostly there is at least one weapon you get a baseball bat that has like a home run swing <laughs> um <laughs> but i don't know if uh, galt can speak to this do any other weapons feel different? yes i i, I was um I'd be surprised if you don't have any of these yet based on the way you're playing Barrett, but he has a whole set of weapons that oh, right. are yes. Yeah. Completely make him a melee character instead yeah. of a range <laughs> character. <laughs> yeah. Oh weird. Yeah, completely different. Um uh yeah, so there are, that stuff is in there. I'd say that like That's for cool. cloud, you're basically doing those things. Right. Um and switching into your Punisher mode, which is both a more offensive and also in melee a much more defensive counterattacky role. Um, um, and I, I'll say that like, there's enough here for, uh, you know, I'm only 20 some hours in Galt, you're 45 or something. I don't think I got tired. I never got bored with what I could do. Right. No. Um, and I so. ended, and I ended the game going back to the buster sword. For wow, the last chunk of it. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> cool. It's a good, it's a good sword, which I, again, I it like is. that. I like that a lot because it also lets you, it also lets the world be like, that's the dude with the buster sword. Um, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that is, obviously he's always going to be the dude with the big sword, but they don't have to, if I had somehow decided the baseball bat was the weapon for me, um, because <laughs> the buster sword sucks compared to it, uh, like some of the stuff that they do around the buster sword wouldn't work as well. Um, that baseball bat's a weird, like you have to yeah, I don't love get it. it set up just right. It's basically, you have to, it's a crit machine weapon, yes. right? Yes. Yeah, totally. so it does and low damage, but it does a bunch of crits. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, all right, I think that that's all I want to talk about in terms of non-spoilery stuff. And we're not going to get deep into spoilers. I'm not saying that we are, again, like, I'm gonna, I'm, I think what we should talk mostly about here is the first few hours, because I think that's very illustrative. Um, and even just like the first five minutes after the demo, immediately, in in so many different ways, shifts mm-hmm. the context in a way that lets you know what they what they mean when they say remake. So let's take a quick well, break. I think... And then we'll, we'll come back and we'll, we'll dig into this a little bit, if, if that's okay, Galt. Yeah, yeah, that sounds great. All right, cool. We'll be right back and we'll come in with what, what you were going to say, Matthew. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. 
All right, we are back to talk some more about Final Fantasy VII Remake. Uh, Matthew, do you remember what your thought was before we actually took a break? Yeah, let's see if we can get there. Um, <laughs> so I think we're, we're going to talk about the story, right? And yeah. the changes to the yeah. story. And there's, I would say that there are hard changes here and also expansions. Yes. Um, and I one of my favorite parts of the ahead. game is one of these expansions. And I think it's something that you were alluding to earlier uh, is it's before the second reactor. It's the Jesse stuff? The Jesse section, yeah. Yeah. There is... Again, for people who haven't played Final Fantasy VII ever or Final Fantasy VII since it came out, um, the first hour of the original Final Fantasy VII is, the, and here's like the setup for this for the game. This is this is the bit. You were playing Cloud, who used to be part of a, a secret or a, a not even secret, but an elite military unit called Soldier. Um, you have been hired as a mercenary by a group called Avalanche, a group of eco-terrorists who are trying to save the world by destroying these, was it eight reactors, 10 reactors? 10 reactors. It's eight. In Mid- it's eight, okay. Eight reactors in Midgar, uh, this this kind of huge, the, the largest metropolis in the in on, on the planet that's very, like, I think very specifically was originally going to be America, uh, the, um, to the degree that if you look at the original game, they reference places like Texas, um, because the dialogue just never changed in the script, um, uh, or in, like, the locations or whatever. And you are sent in alongside this team to blow up one of these reactors, one of these eight reactors that is, like, using the spirit of the Earth, basically, mining the life stream, mining the, the planet's, like, soul, basically, for energy to, to create this kind of, you know, a contemporary-feeling, modern-feeling metropolis. And you blow up the first reactor, um, and it causes some damage, but you go back home to, to base to, to rest and recover – and then you pretty much immediately get hired to go on the second bombing run, the second the second reactor run, um, and you go do that one, and uh, there things go a little haywire. You end up in a boss fight, and then you end up separated from your party. Um, and that all happens in the first hour of the game. And so you go into the second hour of the game in a kind of a new location, and and start to meet some other characters and the kind of other other one of the other like. The third part of the love triangle of Final Fantasy VII, Aerith, is, is like more formally introduced. And that's the first hour of the game. Um, the the Jesse section that you're talking about, it takes place for a minute like in, in the original game would be is like maybe you speak to Jesse once before you go on that bombing run. Here it is 90 minutes, two hours of content, maybe more if you mm-hmm. think about all of the Jesse content. Yeah, I think so. And you're, it does one of the things, it, it kind of shows off one of the things I really like about this game, which is taking these minor characters that were, that just had a few lines of dialogue in the original and really expanding them. Um, and when you're dealing with people that are using revolutionary violence to to enact political change, I think that's really interesting. I want to know who these people are, yeah. why they're doing what they're doing. And they gave me that. Um, and I loved it. Yeah, there is... There's kind of a couple of ways the game JRPGs traditionally, I think this is one of the interesting inversions of this game. JRPGs um have a have a limited amount of narrative and they stretch that narrative around um expansive gameplay sections where you're grinding or where you're going mm-hmm. through dungeons where you have repeated fights and those fights are a vector for storytelling in the sense that sometimes 
enemy design, music, level design, tell you a story, help help you understand the setting, right? So I'm not I'm not discounting the fact that like grinding is actually doing something narratively also. You know, especially with Final Fantasy VII where some of the fucking enemy designs are wild in the original game where you have just like, you know, powered army, powered armor dudes where the armor falls apart to reveal zombie-like people inside. Like, oh shit, okay, that's weird. What the fuck is going on with Shinra? Um, which is the mega corporation here. Um, so that stuff does do something. But this game does like a flip of that, where instead of extending out the combat bits between narrative, they've extended out, in most cases, existing story stuff or invented all new like story arcs that the comparison I ended up making is it's sort of like it's sort of like they took the Midgar section of Final Fantasy VII and said, what if we built a 26-episode anime about this? Mm-hmm. And that necessitates <laughs> that there are filler arcs. And so, like, the Jesse arc is a filler arc in the sense that it is not necessarily core to the 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 A-plot action, but provides a great deal of characterization, a memorable, like, enemy to fight. Um, and uh, gives you another glimpse of the world and helps construct, and this is in defense of filler arcs in a sense, it helps c- further construct, or good filler arcs anyway. The, it helps yeah, fur- I was going to say, there's like, yes, there are different yes, kinds of, like, filler is a, a catch-all term, but then it often is uh, deployed in, like, just because there was, uh, uh, you know, just because it doesn't move a, na- a narrative forward does not mean that it doesn't move something exactly. forward. Exactly. Um, and in, in this case, the Jesse case, I think specifically, gets to it, it hits on both ends of that there is uh it's the it's the you basically get sent and i'm gonna i'm gonna again this is pretty early game stuff you basically actually let's let's slow down and talk about the beginning of the game and one of the big differences because i think it helps situate the jesse stuff yeah. um when you played in the original final fantasy 7 you blow up the reactor you go home um, on the way home you people are like running through the streets but it's not necessarily clear how big the damage was um, and Jesse has one line in the original Final Fantasy VII where she's like, "Wow, one's supposed to blow up that big. I guess I, I guess I fucked up the the bomb that I made. Blast I guess the charge, uh, the blast yeah. charge was stronger than I thought. And it's a single line in that game, and it never comes up again. Basically, uh, um, in this, as soon as you step outside of that first reactor, the world is in chaos in a way that the original game couldn't communicate. The original game tries to communicate it with just like not sprites, but character models running around chaotically. Uh, I'll be like, oh, I guess there was an explosion. Oh, no. In this, it's like, hey, there are paramedics here. There are firefighters here. There are people in the streets wondering how they're going to get home. It immediately wants to force the- You're hearing the propaganda. And you're hearing, mm-hmm. right, you're hearing the spin immediately. The game is immediately about what you had set up, Galt, which is what is the place of revolutionary violence? How does How does it get spun against revolutionary actors- um, why is it necessary anyway? Uh, and I don't know where the game ends up wrapping up this. I know this is like, I'm a, I'm about to hit the point of the game in which this is the central concern in some ways. But in the very beginning of the game, they make you start thinking about those things because you see the after effects. Then you get on the train, you go home, uh, you hear people on the train who are worried about it. You hear people here and there who are saying like, yeah, but fuck Shinra anyway. There's a, an immediate debate. And then that debate is centered inside of Avalanche, the kind of eco-terrorist group that you're that you're working for, uh, specifically around Jesse, who believe oh, I skipped a big thing, which is there's a revelation in this game. This is one of the ways in which it's been rewritten, that the bomb was fine. The bomb you see the bomb blow up, it takes out like the pipes, and that is it. It disables the reactor, but it doesn't it doesn't hurt anyone nearby. And Shinra sends in super drones, <laughs> laser drones, to just <laughs> 
further destroy everything. They had those on deck just in case the bomb didn't go too bad. Um, and so, racked with guilt, Jesse says, we need to... I need to fix the bomb. I need to use a, a different reagent to make the bomb not be as, as deadly. We're going to go on a run to a, to a Shinra storehouse. And that gives you the, the kind of catalyst for a fight scene against a, uh, another soldier who's like on a bike, who's like a biker dude, who is like the definitive anime filler antagonist <laughs> dude. Who's just I like, he, so much. he's got a pompadour. He's got a lot of flair. Okay. He loves your character because you can push. You're the first person who's given him a real fight. There's like ah, some homoerotic yes. tension. You know the you know the fucking thing that I'm talking <laughs> about. This is the thing it is. Um, but it also gives you. I don't think there was a single snapshot of like what life was like um, uh, inside of like on the upper plate. Was there Galt in the first game? Not that I can recall, and that's, again, one of the things I really liked about this Jesse section is that it you go to what is basically like a suburb on the yes. upper plate, yes. right, where like the bougie people live, mm-hmm. um, and you, you see, you know, what their lifestyle's like, and also the consequences of working for Shinra at that level and what it yeah. can do to you. Yeah. Um, it- and I will say that some of that continues in some very smart ways uh, later in the game, too. Okay. I will say when I was a kid learning that Je- like Jesse who like I remember by the end of that game, Jesse who right <laughs> by the end of Final Fantasy seven vaguely remember, you know, the original crew of characters, because by the end of that game, um, I should say Jesse is not a party member in this game, nor in the original. She was a side character, uh, Biggs and, and Wedge, similarly side characters, part mm-hmm. of Avalanche, important in the early hours, but that's kind of it. And the, in the original game, I played for 80 hours or whatever. And so for me, the crew was Vincent and Yuffie and Sid and Red 13. You know what I mean? Like, so I was yeah. not thinking about those characters by the end of that game. Um, here, it's going to be hard for me not to think about about those characters by the end of the, my 40 or 50 hours with this game because of the the character work that's done here. Here, I know, for instance, that Jesse's mom makes pizza real good. <laughs> um, I'll also <laughs> use this moment briefly to say how frustrating it is that Wedge is just like fat joke, fat joke, fat joke still. Yeah. Um, uh, and fat, the fat jokes run throughout this game. This is not – this is like a recurring – a, a deeply fat phobic game uh, from top to bottom. Uh, it's a, it's a fucking, it is very, ups- it's not very upsetting, but it's frustrating. I'm not like um, rallying to, I like, I'm able to play through it, but also that's just because I've built up a life of, of uh, strong armor against this because of living as a fat person. Um, but like, I, I like, I like wedge, um, Wedge is Wedge is the one I'm talking about, right? I always get Biggs and Wedge confused. Yes, yeah. um, you're right. It's Wedge is, is like Wedge is, has great moments. They don't. He isn't just comic relief by any means, um, but it is one vector by which it's like he's always hungry. He wants to eat on meat. He wants to eat on missions. He is like very much the, his his friends love him. They're not making fun of his weight, um, but the game makes fun of his weight, and I think that that's absolutely an important distinction in a real way. Um, uh, because, because it means I still get to love Biggs and, and Jesse, even if I'm, I'm upset at like the game writers. Um, um, but yeah, that section is fantastic at adding, at adding new material instead of stretching it. Um, I would contrast that to something, um, like the, um, uh, and, and I, when I say that section, I really mean the Jesse section here. I'm still unsure about how I feel about Shinra, turning the bombing run into 
something more than it was the first bombing or the first reactor run. Um, I'm still unsure about that because I, I, I think it does dramatically change the original in the sense that in the original, these were, these were people going in knowing from the jump, like, Hey, we're here to bomb this thing. It's going to cause damage. We know that. And there's a little bit of a dialogue in the early game around this in which Barrett kind of says what I just said of like, Hey, listen, we always knew our hands were going to get dirty. Um, but it is a distinct difference between like our bomb destroyed this and don't worry, our hands are actually clean. Shinra did this. I think it does reframe some of that revolutionary violence conversation, um, which I know will come back up. Galt? Yes, abs- it absolutely comes back up. Uh, and I think Tifa carries a lot of the burden of yes. asking those questions. She's very much framed in this game as the um, the character who has the most the most concern about what the cost mm-hmm. of overturning a system looks like. Um, um, and w- which is, I'll, I will say, I will say I came to this game in my heart or in my mind, remembering that Tifa was kind of the, the more conservative one and that Aerith was actually secretly the spunky one, but yeah. the, but seeing it, is like was uh, is yeah uh-huh, wow really it really is that that's not just a thing I have a vague memory of. Aerith is the is like the clever the clever one, and Tifa definitely has trad wife vibes in some in some instances <laughs> where it's like I'm a tough mom who doesn't take no shit, but also I know I know what good is, and I I know what parts of town I like to go to, and it's not this part, uh, um, and that's very <laughs> funny in some ways. Um, uh, to 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 then talk about the other half of this, right? So we've talked about the parts where it's like here is something brand new. The extensions and changes, I think, there's a there's a question that came in from a great critic, uh, uh, Grace uh, Grace underscore Machine on on um, on Twitter. You can you can find her work at graceinthemachine.com. She asks, how much of the narrative of Final Fantasy VII Remake is metafiction? How interested in slash aware of the original is it, and how does it try to reckon with its legacy? Oh, that's an interesting question. It's especially a great for question. Someone that's for, for especially for someone who's beaten it. Um, Let's just talk about the early game then. Okay. Because I know I'm certain I'm like, I am probably right before where things are going to either where I'm going to know how on or off the rails this game is, is my guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, I'd say so. And I, I'm saying that because actually the last five or six or seven hours have been, have not been um, the meta narrative stuff. They've been, uh, uh, they're they're meta narrative in a different. They've been meta narrative in a different way, but they've not it been is, the thing I'm about to talk about. It has seeded it. It yes. has seeded it. You just don't. Well, no, no. I'm saying the beginning of this game, it's turned to eleven. Uh, and okay. then I think the wall market section and the era stuff had been much less that. But the beginning of this game, uh, all right, I'm going to talk about. I'm going to talk openly about the first full two hours of this game now. If you don't want to hear that stuff in the streets after the explosion, even before, yes, talking about wandering around the streets after the, literally the minutes after the demo, literally the minutes after the demo, not seven hours after the demo. So if you, if you have like full on, I don't want to hear anymore, this is probably a good place to stop. And the fact that I'm saying that should suggest that I'm about to talk about some like bigger things. Um, If you're curious about what we mean when we talk about this game being sort of interested in in the metafictional, being interested with its own le- reckoning with its own legacy, as Grace asks, this is a section in which I think we can talk about it. Um, you're wandering around the streets. You get separated from your crew. In the original game, this is a moment where you meet Aerith as just a flower girl in the streets for the first time. You can buy a flower from her. 
Um, there's a kind of vague, it's not even a meet cute because you're like, all right, bye. There was a bomb. I, we all, we all, we got to go. Um, and you move on here. There are what Patrick referred to earlier. Also, Patrick had to dip out to go take care of his family. So, uh, shout outs to, to his family. And again, congrats to Patrick. Um, here, that conversation has an added element that recurs throughout the early game, which is these Dementors, as Patrick called them earlier, <laughs> that show up to try to do something. It's not clear out the gate what's happening. Um, they are these kind of ghastly, dusty wind forms that have like cloaks. Um, there's no physical body, um, but they are, they show up a lot in the first few hours of the game. Um, in this moment, they kind of cause chaos and begin to kind of push you around and, and seem to grip at Aerith. Um, in another moment, they seem, they seem to almost attack the town that you're in, um, uh, drawing you out into a gunfight, um, or a, a, I guess a, a gunfight slash sword fight slash everything <laughs> else fight. Um, there are moments that they show up to bar certain directions that you can, you can or can't go. Um, uh, and moments after that happens... We're talking about 65 minutes into the game. Cloud and Sephiroth meet in the streets. Um, if you've played the original uh, game, Sephiroth, Sephiroth as a word comes up in the early game because you get a flashback where Cloud is like uh, talking about how he wants to be a great hero like Sephiroth when he was a little kid. Um, uh, and then there's a flashback where you get Tifa saying something about Sephiroth. I'm sick of Sephiroth and Soldier and all this, something like that. But Sephiroth as a character does not show up, like as a, as a, as a on screen, does not show up until the end of the, the first, like basically the end of Midgar, right? If I'm remembering yeah. right, God, as someone who's played the, the beginning of Midgar <laughs> five yeah. times in your life. Yeah, it's like um, the, it's the very end. It's like it's it's a climax. It's like, holy shit, mm -hmm. who is this motherfucker? Oh my God, is this Sephiroth? Yeah, I remember um, the I remember the two exact moments when you see him in the original, uh, pretty vividly. And uh, but I won't ahead. get into it because it's spoilers. Yeah, because now it's spoilers again because this is the yeah. world we live in. It's wrapped <laughs> back around. Um, uh, and again, I'm sorry for like I'm doing my best to, to thread the needle here. I hope people appreciate that. Like I, I, we're not being thoughtless here. Like I'm trying to be as as some people know this story like the back of their hands. They and they know way more about it than I do, and they want to hear us talk even more in depth. And there are people who don't remember anything or who've never played the game and who probably don't want to hear anything. And we're trying our best to thread the needle here. So I appreciate your, your most generous uh, uh, perspective on what we're trying here. Um, you talk to Sephiroth. Sephiroth appears to Cloud. Sephiroth touches Cloud. Um, they exchange words. Sephiroth tells him to, to like keep that same energy, basically. He basically <laughs> says, like, that hate you feel is good. He like goes full Sith Lord in this early, in this early exchange. Um, and, and then continues to appear in the first few hours of this game. Yep. Um, and, and some other characters with like, there's new characters throughout the entire first half that have, or the first like few hours who are like people walking around with cloaks with strange tattoos. There are all these elements from the broader story of Final Fantasy VII who show up that did not show up in the early game. And part of that feels just like, oh, hey, we want to start seeding some stuff for late game or for sequels. And part of it feels like, um, it's part of it feels like the game, there are moments in that first hour, I think I sent a message immediately to someone else who was playing it, where I said, 
doesn't it seem like the people in this game know that things are going the wrong way? And that made me, here's my galaxy brain take. This is my true galaxy brain take. This is, this is just like the thing I sent to someone, like seriously, the moment Sephiroth showed up was like, oh my God, what if I'm not playing a remake? What if I'm playing a sequel? And that is not informed by anything other than Sephiroth showed up, these weird ghosts are here, and God, I need you to not respond, I need you to no comment me, because I'm desperate to know. And the fact that they produced that effect in me is what makes this such an interesting text, because it isn't that, it isn't that, um, it isn't that it's different that makes it feel that way to me. It's that where it wants to feel different, it's the inflection point of difference, it's the ways in which it feels like it's not just winking at the player, but is saying, hey, this is supposed to go this way, right? You're sure about that, right? Hey, what if what if Cloud started thinking about Sephiroth a little earlier? What if would, would that change things? Does that recolor things a little bit? Hey, what if you knew Jesse a little bit more? Would that would that change how you feel about some things? And I, I'm like, that's like a really basic one, right? Is it like in the in the the pantheon of a Final Fantasy? Seven in, in the kind of in the the kind of way we talk about it, it's a love tr- part of it is a love triangle, not the whole thing, obviously. Um, but the but the for for key part of this game, you're like, hey, it's it's Cloud, Aerith, and Tifa. Which you know who's the best one? Um, and even just the inclusion of <laughs> Jesse as being kind of the first uh, interlocutor who clearly has a crush on Cloud and who you end up spending a lot of time with, the first person to break Cloud's shell a little bit. There's all of these ways in which this game kind of, uh, you know, deconstructs the, the, that original binary in a, in a very literal way of just introducing a third um, of, of like saying, like, wait a second, look at how these two characters don't necessarily like reflect in a binary fashion off of each other. Um, and it does that a lot. Uh, and I think that is the moment in which it's at least it's the most interesting and potentially the most frustrating for purists, um, which I'm so curious about. Uh, go I- on, some... Go ahead. Purists, purists are are going to have a lot of issues with this. Do you think um, that that is? See, for me, it's one of those things where I can't speak as a purist, obviously, because I said earlier I don't. I I fell off of this game in a serious way. Mm-hmm. But for me, once it was clear that they were doing something with this, I'm so much more the person who's like, "Fucking go for it, do something new," rather than try to repeat yeah. the past exactly because yep. because. You can't repeat the past exactly, one. But also, two, it almost insulates the past. If if this does end up feeling like a distinct, an adaptation, right? That's the other way, you know, I think about it as like, this is like the comic book adaptation or the movie adaptation of your favorite comic. The comic is safe somewhere. Watchmen is still safe mm-hmm. in my bookshelf. The fact that the Zack Snyder movie exists and sucks a lot <laughs> doesn't doesn't stop that original um and it doesn't replace the original uh what would have what would have frightened me more would have upset me more would be if it had been like a middling movie that people were like oh yeah that's watchmen Zack snyder's watchmen but that hasn't actually happened you know what i mean um yeah. and the fact that they're not doing that means that in some ways that original final fantasy 7 still so far feels like the original text, but I don't know if that'll still. I don't know. I, I'm 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 speculating a lot here, and you can tell I'm energetic and excited and rambly because there are so many open questions at the point at which I'm playing the game. Um, and that is a, such a good feel. That is so much. Go watch me. Um, go watch the giant bomb reaction to Final Fantasy VII being debuted. 
I was the most energetic person <laughs> when that happened, and I had barely any energy for it because I was like, yeah, sure. Okay, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. That seems hard. That seems like a hard thing to do. But I was not like this about it. I'm like this about it because I've been playing it for 20 hours, and I'm desperate to know where it goes. Um, Matthew, can you, can you speak more about this? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I think you're making some very, very canny observations uh, okay. from where you are and from what you've seen. Um. I kind of, I just kind of don't want to say too much yeah. more. I, I think you, I think you're going to have a good time. <laughs> good. Okay. <laughs> is, is, is what you. I'll say. And I think that <laughs> I, I'm, I'm also with you in like, you know what, if we're going to, if we're going to redo this and remake, let's, let's go all out and change some things and alter right. some things. Yeah. And let's go a different direction. I also have a really cute name for what those, uh, for the Dementors. What do you call uh, them? But, uh, I can't, if I tell oh, you, okay. it'll, it'll be a spoiler be, of some sort. It'll okay. be a spoiler of some sort. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, but you do, you do get answers to a lot of the questions and a lot of the mysteries you're asking about right now, even on a meta, like meta level. Yeah. Um, um, they, they, they send some pretty clear signals. Interesting. Okay. Um, I said earlier that the, that, um, the, the game is dealing with its own legacy in this very direct way in these moments where there are these ghosts and where the characters seem almost aware of their own history and their own stuff. God, I'm remembering other scenes that I cannot wait for people to fucking see. I'm so excited for people to fucking play this game and react <laughs> to it, even if they react negatively where I'm reacting positively because anything that, that, that produces that degree of reaction is more exciting to me than anything that's just like, yeah, it was good. Yeah, yeah, it was, I played it. It was pretty good. Do you remember that? Think, yeah, it was cool. It was a good boss fight. I think like the fact making, that there are sequences that give me, that I can imagine someone being angry at is the best. Yeah. It like, you know, neither hot nor cold. Let's, you know, don't be lukewarm, right? Let's, right, yes, yes. Uh, I think that like making Sephiroth kind of this ghost that haunts the game, I think is yeah. so smart. Because it haunts so, Final Fantasy, right? It, yeah, it haunts exactly. Final, Final Fantasy VII haunts Final Fantasy. There was this moment in the culture where it was ascendant for a number of for Final Fantasy was for a number of years, and like Call of Duty would end up doing, like Madden would end up doing. Uh, these games that were monoliths ended up inspiring a bunch of other games, uh, opening the marketplace up for a bunch of other games, and then slowly seeding that that relevance. Um, Final Fantasy VII was, if not the apex of that relevance, that kind of or domination, cultural domination, it was the catalyst that that brought the, the genre to a lot of additional people in a similar way that you can think of something like Fallout. Fallout, I'd say, is also in this mix. That, like, yes, Fallout 1 and 2 are incredible games. Fallout 3 brought the, the, the not the genre, because it's almost a different genre, yeah. but brought the franchise to more people. Yes, Final mm -hmm. Fantasies 1 through 6 has some incredible shit in them. I think Final Fantasy 6, in my heart of hearts, is still a better game than the original Final Fantasy 7. Um, but seven is the one that put it on the map for people who are not in already in that niche of, of fans. Um, and, uh, and so in that way, it's, it's, it's 100% the ghost that haunts JRPGs. It's the ghost that haunts video games is, is Final Fantasy seven. And so positioning Sephiroth almost as that ghost inside of the world is great. Um, but there's the other way in which I think it contends with its legacy, which is there are moments in which it has to try to rewrite, um, 
uh, its past. It has to expand on areas because otherwise you would only be in them for a few minutes and it's very expensive to to make an air like so let's talk about wall market is really what i'm getting yep. us to yep, yep, yep. <laughs> um and and again i i want to lay out the material reason for why this stuff gets expanded which is it's expensive to design to, to create art assets and so if you want to create an expansive area that feels like a red light district and an entertainment district it's going to cost you a lot of time, energy, and money. And if you've done that, then you want more than four, um, than four uh, item shops, some mini games, and a uh, and a, a big fight sequence at the end, right? You, you need there to be a little bit more than that to make so that you're spending more than ten minutes there. You're spending more like four hours there, right? Um, right. For people who don't know, and here is a content warning uh, for transphobia, for homophobia. Um, and for uh, sexual assault and, and sexual coercion. Um, there was a point in the original game where you go to this place called the Wall Market uh, because a friend of yours is seemingly kidnapped um, and you go to rescue her. Um, you learn that, that she has been kidnapped by, uh, seemingly kidnapped by uh, the kind of local mob boss, Don Corneo, uh, who in this game is voiced by Mark Hamill, which is very weird. <laughs> Um, doing his like doing like a slimier Joker, Don Corneo, of course, also uh, has some fat joke stuff going on. Um, the uh, in the original, it's kind of like this town where there's like a dressmaker, a, a gym, a, um, a sort of like a sex club that's a little bit broader than that, but it's not really cl- like there's a bathhouse part of it or a soap land, I guess, to use the period appropriate term. Um, there are like some some rooms with sex workers in them. Uh, there is some other stuff around the edges there, uh, called the Honeybee Inn. Um, and then there are like some restaurants and stuff, but that's kind of it here. There's this bustling town with a bunch of restaurants, people in the streets, lots of Shinra executives on vacation, lots of people from the slums who've saved up for their big trip. Um, also I'm saying the slums a lot and I want to be clear. That is what the game calls these areas. Mm-hmm. That is not me <laughs> being like these people from the slums have saved up their money to go on vacation to the honeybee Inn. They should put that money in a bank account. They, if they want to not be in the slums, they should go to the item shop and buy boots with some bootstraps and pull them up, pull themselves up to the plate. Um, that's not what I'm doing. Shindra. You got to stop watching <laughs> Shinra News. Shinra News. That's no good. It's affecting you. God. Um, so in the original, the way what happens is you go, you learn that that your friend has been taken by Don Corneo uh, for an audition to be his next wife. Um and that he, uh, you basically learn that you can get in there to try to save her by dressing yourself up, by cross-dressing, basically. And that you and your other uh, companion, Aerith, are going to go in posing as potential other candidates for his next wife uh, and try to rescue your friend. Um, in this, that whole arc like starts the thing you meet. You see Tifa going into Wall Market and you learn, hey – uh, she's going there on purpose because Don Corneo has some information um, and she wants to get that information. So she's infiltrating and you're like, all right, she's got this. And then Aerith is like, Aerith is like, whoa, I can tell you want to go like, make sure your friend is okay. We should go after her, um, which already is an interesting switch, right? Uh, immediately all throughout this game, there's a lot of those tiny things around who gets agency and when. I will yeah. say in general, it's really good about Aerith and Tifa being agents. Um, yep. 
and uh, having a relationship on their own that is separate yes. from Cloud. Yes, too. Yes, there's a lot of sequences of them talking and high fiving and being friends. Um, that is very good. That is ext- even in this moment, even in these moments, some of which I don't necessarily love. There is stuff that's just like very good with the two of them. Um, uh, in the original, the way that you end up cross dressing and or, or, or like getting what you need to cross dress and go in is by um, kind of doing some stuff around town. The the more mini games you do correctly, the more uh, side quests you complete in the right order. They're not even side quests. It's just like, did you go to the pharmacy and buy medicine for the guy who was shitting, who was stuck shitting in the bathroom in the in the tavern? Um, <laughs> did you go to the materia shop and get the right tiara or whatever? Like that stuff is is was very minimal in the original, and here. Um, it's all kind of rolled into a single sequence at the end in which you realize that Cloud is going to cross-dress to, to join Aerith as she goes inside, and it's the end of the wall market section. There's a whole section before that now with other stuff that's going on. I don't want to get into spoilers around what that stuff is because some of it's really fun in terms of the fights and the stuff that goes on there. Um, there is there is a it lot puts everything different. that is about to happen in context. Yes, it gives right. you a better it gives you a bigger picture of what Walmart is, of who is there besides Don Corneo. I will say it, it definitely gives you the vibe that's like here are the kind of here are Don Corneo's three lieutenants and all of them are better people than he is and wouldn't it be good if they could just run the entertainment district by themselves? Mm-hmm. Um um there is there is a there is a sequence in this game in which Cloud receives a very sexualized massage, not sexualized in the sense that there is like, not like a, not like a bad GTA last day of sexualized. Let me ask you this. What, what level of massage? Oh, did I you went take? level three. Oh, you did. Okay. Well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in what the differences are between level three and level one, which was is what one I of, of what would, what happened with level one? You go in there and spoilers, sorry, uh, minor. Yeah. You you go in there and she's like, "All right, take off your gloves. Let me see your hand." And she kind of hand hurts. masseuse. Yeah. yeah, she kind of hurts you. Yes, she okay. like grabs you and like kind of just just uh, really hurts you. The level three is pornography. The level really? three is a genre <laughs> of pornography. The level three is if if you listened to this, you would be thinking that that she was giving Cloud a hand job. And like, there's a joke there because what she's doing is massaging his hands. That is the mm. joke. Um, there is a very funny gag, uh, which is I'm not going to spoil the gag. There's a very funny mechanical gag after after it. I'm not, I'm not opposed. The thing here is like I'm not opposed to that sequence. Let mm-hmm. let Cloud come um, <laughs> support sex workers. What? Like I'm here for that part. There's um, your episode title. There it is. Yeah. Uh, do not do that. Uh, but 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 what I will say is important is this is a it is very interesting to me that one of the first things that happens that is narratively unavoidable is that Cloud comes in contact with a woman who's a sex worker, and the outcome of that can be that he's really enjoyed himself in a sequence where th- what, what that the locus of queerness was in the original game, right? Um, right. And there's almost and a- this. Yeah, go ahead. It had like in the original. It had this. Uh, it was not handled well, right? No, it had a. It no. had a gay, like a gay panic thing to it. Serious was, gay panic thing, but yeah. also, but also located in a particular era of Japanese queerness, mm-hmm. um, and and like gay culture, um, that makes it a historical artifact that reflects something real. 
and that part of it's been replaced with like camp and drag. Um, and that's not a bad, it's, it's such a, I'm so excited for people to tackle this section now yeah. because of how distinct it is. Um, but I do think it's interesting that it, my version of this opened with, you know, look, cloud is definitely into women. Don't worry about it. Um, which feels like the hip hop, no homo. Do you know what I mean? See, that's uh, interesting because of the way that I kind of went with, cause right. I got I paid, you know, I paid the lowest gil. amount. I got hurt and then I came out and then that section that follows after comes off completely different. I fucking bet. I fucking bet. In in, in that context. Right. Um, I'm guessing, wait, did you, okay, we can't talk about spoilers. I'm not going to talk more about spoilers about this section. What I will <laughs> say is, well, we're not going to talk about spoilers about like the outcomes of what, what those we two should, things did We should probably do a spoiler cast in a few weeks, yes, right? Yes, we like, should do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I would love to, I would love especially... The ending stuff I'm so deserves excited. deserves just to be just to be tackled. Okay. Extreme, like it really does. Sounds good. Um, so the the rest of the wall market stuff. Previously, the game had basically um, there was a point at which in Final Fantasy VII in which you then <clears throat> you understood you had to go do the cross dressing, and so you got your dress from one person. You went and did again. You did those mini games. You went to like the gym, and at the gym you had to do a squat mini game because. All of the buff dudes in the gym really wanted a wig because they all wanted this wig that would make them look cute. And that's the way you get the best wig is to beat them at their squat contest. And again, the whole thing is just this deeply confused mix of like what queerness is. Or again, Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't know what the particular influences were, but like it always felt, like you said, very gay panicky. Um, and like cloud, cloud cross dressing ended up feeling like a joke. What I don't want to what I don't want to forget in this is that a lot of people had really transformative experiences with this because, like a lot of problematic media, sometimes you you stumble into something that is in fact um, uh, aggressively transphobic, and then yet you go like, wait a second, oh, this is a thing that exists. You find something that is that is like deeply offensive to the very marginalized population. Uh, that that ends up finding some sort of inspiration or uh, something to grab onto there, and I don't want to erase that. That is the case for a lot of people, you know. I'm, I'm so I'm currently watching a let's play of this game. I'm currently watching the Good Friends Gaming let's play. Shoutouts uh, to Ryan and Claire who are doing that. Uh, and Claire is a trans woman who, when we hit this, we're not we again. Welcome to parasocial relationships that even happens <laughs> to the people you have parasocial relationships with. Uh, when when Claire and Ryan hit this part, Claire said like, "Hey, this was a big part of what made me a baby trans. Like this is like this opened my eyes to the idea that that gender couldn't can be more than than uh, kind of." Uh, Gender, uh, binary and enforced by by you know uh, the norms of society, and that there is a space here for for me to consider myself as the not just the gender I was assigned at birth, um, and like I would never want to take that away from anyone who had that experience. I also think that there's lots of great criticism from queer and trans folks uh, uh, and and gay folks who said like, hey, this section sucks. Actually, this section sucks for very important reasons. Um, and so I think one of the big, big questions was like, how are they going to handle that? And then on top of that, here's an entire seg- segment that's based around fundamentally the threat of sexual violence, because the final confrontation is, of course, once you've crossed, once you you are in your 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 dress, once you've had your makeup done, you uh, go to reunite with Tifa, and Don Corneo is is you know, perusing you like uh, very very much so like objects he wants to own. 
uh, and and it's gross and and terrible. Um, and so I think there was a big question about how that stuff would come across. Um, Galt, in your piece, and I'll turn it over to you here as someone who's who's already written about it a little bit. You felt you think that they they kind of really stuck the landing on this. Yeah, I. I, I want to talk about the Don Corneo stuff in a second because I think that it there's almost to two some, separate things. Yeah, right? it speaks yeah. to and it speaks to some weird tone issues I mm-hmm. felt in the game. One of which you're about to come across, but yeah, for me, like it becomes this this moment in the Honeybee Inn uh, becomes this drag cabaret for Cloud, mm-hmm. and it's a joyous uh, dance sequence that felt really fun and was silly and light um, and was very, very positive and affirming. Um, I and love it made, the rhythm. It made me smile. Yeah. The, yeah. The absolutely. Game <laughs> is like so good. Um, yeah. When they're like this character that's, that feels like he's kind of like a Bob Fosse kind ooh, of just ooh. leading cloud into this, like op- leading cloud into this thing and like opening parts of him. He didn't realize were there. <laughs> it's, yeah. and it was nice and good yeah. and fun. Uh, also, yeah. all of the music at the Honey Bee Inn's, yeah. like, variety review slaps. It's all so good. Uh, yeah. Anytime this game, we talked about the music briefly before, but anytime this game lets itself not be orchestral is a, is a wonder. The music is so, so good. Um, uh, so, yeah, that sequence works, especially because, again, there was content in that original that included, like, Cloud potentially being sexually assaulted, right? Or, like, the joke right. being, was Cloud sexually assaulted? Like again, part of this gay panic vibe. Um, so well, and when this you get is to, certainly preferable to that. And and when you get to Don Corneo and you get to the part where Tifa and Aerith are left alone with the goons, I was a little yes. shocked at. Oh, so wait, you did get chosen by Don Corneo then? Yeah, did you not? I, I did. know there's different. I did. Okay, there's different yeah. costumes. I think one of the costume differences is how much money you give the masseuse. Right, there's three... Who is not just a masseuse, but is like a big deal in Walmart, to be clear. Yeah. There's three different costumes for each of the women. Interesting. Um, oh. Yeah, and, and so I know that there's huh. like four different ways Walmart can play out. Interesting. Okay. Uh, but I was uh, chosen. You were chosen also. I'm guessing that yeah. has to do with your mini game your rhythm game section maybe. Oh, that would make sense. Yeah, if you hit mm. the if you do the rhythm game well enough. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, anyway. Um, but um, like when you get down there with the goons, I was like, they were, it was, it was like creepy to me. <laughs> it was a little over the top with those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and, and, and like there's I mean, these there couple again, moments for, in this game where the tone, where it feels like there's a weird tone shift. There's a lot of this whole section still rings weird to me because mm-hmm. They're trying to mix a few things. One is that they want to replace gay panic with kind of um, not with like queer utopia, not with like um, like a, a transcendent queer experience because Cloud is not positioned as queer. Cloud is not positioned as trans. Cloud is not having a good time through most of this until the dance number, at which point maybe it does open up in that way. What it feels the most like to me is like, um, it wants us to think about queerness, cross-dressing, drag, transness as a locus for for self-exploration 
in the way that Queer Eye does, right? Right. There is something transactional happening here. You've you've caught the eye of this great uh, this this great stylist and dancer and choreographer and the person who runs the Honey Bee Inn, which has transformed from a sex club, though it still has rooms in which people are clearly having sex, into being a cabaret, right? Um, and uh, and in that way, it's like what can what can queerness do for you? The stuck up straight, um, and and cloud being that here, and, and and that is how it reads to me. That is my critical uh, uh, read of this, and part of that is. Uh, and it has to take that, and then it has to blend that with there is a sequence where, and again, we are talking about a sequence that deals with attempted sexual assault, in which Cloud and Aerith get drugged, um, mm-hmm. and and lose time. They lose time, which is already will be triggering for some people, um, especially given the context. And then they wake up, and and from there, it it is like, all right, now we're going to go get the information we want from Don Corneo. He's going to try to pick one of us, and then we're going to get what we want out of out of him. Um, and there's a moment there where the other thing they're trying to balance here is their their version of Aerith, which is drawn on the original text. Aerith was always a little spunkier, a little bit more um, flirty, but like in control of her relationship with Cloud, right? The, she the reminds kind of, me of more like little sister vibe. Huh, interesting. For me, see, I go the other way with her. She, for me, feels very much like the woman who knows that cloud needs to be pushed around to get him to, to open up. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so that is not a little sister vibe to me in, 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 but again, this is, isn't this the classic, this is the classic debate with Tifa and Aerith. Right. Um, but, but there's a bit here where she says, you're about to go upstairs to literally be selected to be married, quote unquote, to Don Corneo. And Aerith has a line where she's like, I know you're having fun, Cloud. And it's like, no, I'm extremely not having fun. I get that you've written this character to be kind of snarky and playful. This is not the moment to deploy that tone with that character. And so that didn't work for me at all. Um, uh, And then there are moments that totally work, like um, the way, again, Aerith and Tifo like combine uh, in this sequence, um, mm-hmm. it falls. It falls into a, a very you know familiar structure in these things of like, oh, you threaten sexual assault and then haha, girl power or whatever, and they kick ass because of course <laughs> that's what happens. Um, but there is still something communicable about their relationship, their immediate uh, 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 kind of connection to each other um, that works for me, despite it being kind of like a heinous trope. Um, yeah. Or like that stuff shines through uh, anyway, um, but I do think it's important to go into that section with a lot of criticality and also a lot of warning because it is really playing willy nilly with a lot of really uh, heavy shit, you know. Yeah, um, and I think they mostly pull it off, but it's going to be everyone's going to have different reactions to it. Everyone's going to be bringing something to it, and yeah, it doesn't always work. I do want to shout out Jules. Uh, the the gentleman that runs the gym. Oh yeah, that was also yeah, a really yeah, yeah. interesting character. Who's also yeah. obviously, um, like has wonderful eyebrows right. and is obviously wearing makeup. Is framed as gay, right? Is, yes, is very absolutely. Much, is very much um, styled and um and and coded is like queer coded in a big way, but is not is explicitly not like um. G- coded as a joke or coded right. or like you know is explicitly not supposed to be a punchline nor a threat is just like yeah a fucking buff ass gay dude runs this gym he has great hair and he can lift what um <laughs> jules is good 
Um, but, I, yeah. but I think that there's going to be this tension. I think in the discourse, what we're going to see is tension between people who are who are comfortable in this space and and often here I mean like cis straight people who are like wow this mm-hmm. was really this was really empowering um, and then also people who are going to bring the the kind of uh, the edge of lived experience and queer theory uh, together right. to be like yeah but question mark um, and I think we need to listen to we need to listen to everyone who brings experience uh, and and uh, rigor to the situation because I think it's going to be. Uh, very enlightening to have people have that discussion. Um, and yeah. I don't want to, I, I also think that it is genuine. When I say lived experience, I think it's part of that is going to be people who are like, Cloud is super cute when he cross-dresses. Um, and that's going to come from people who like cross-dressing, from trans people, um, from people who do drag. Like, that's going to happen. And I think the only way forward for me is to like, keep my fucking ears open because I'm mm-hmm. bi, but I'm not, I'm not trans, right? Um, right? And so like, I, you have to put those, those, uh, those voices first uh, when we talk about this stuff. Um, any other wall market thoughts or can we turn back to, to some, some questions that came in? Let's turn back to some questions. Okay. That's a good, good run through wall market. Yeah. We kind of went deeper there than I intended, but I think you have to, if you're going to do it, otherwise you leave an aspect out. Uh, I will say some of the hardest fights in the game are in wall market is, is another thing I will say. So get ready for that. Uh, you're talking about the arena. I'm talking about the arena, the final okay. Well, Most of those arena fights are fine. The final arena fight fucking pushed me to the brink. Oh man. If you don't, if you don't have the right setup going in. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That's, that was I won I, that fight, I, but it was hard. Uh, same. I had a rough time too, <laughs> but I got through it. Totally. Totally. Um, all right. Let me look at, let me pull up the, the questions that I had marked. Uh, thank you to grace again for that first question, which kind of sent us down a much longer, uh, <laughs> ride than, than I think we even thought we would go down. Um, all right. Uh, let's see here. Uh, here was an interesting question, which, which I think speaks a little bit to, um, the, uh, the way in which they've spoken about this game. Tyler writes in saying, having recently replayed the original game, does it feel like they're filling out the larger world more? The original game is Midgar and then a mostly empty world with tiny villages sprinkled about. Is there more character given to the rest of the world slash conflict? Uh, my first thought there was like, oh my God, Tyler, do you think this game is the whole game? Do you think that this game is everything? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tyler did respond to me and say, no, 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 I understand that it's just Midgar, but I want to know, did they, do they at least kind of gesture at a, a, a world that makes sense beyond Midgar? Um, I think Wutai comes up a bunch. It's very clear that Shinra is, Shinra, there, I haven't gotten to where you've gotten, and I know you, again, again can probably give a definitive answer, but given the, the way that some of the stuff around what Shinra's motives are for doing the type of political spin that they do, it feels a lot like this Shinra is 2002 era America in yes. which they want another war with their old enemy. Um, their yep. old enemy in the original Final Fantasy VII was this country called Wutai, um, which was their rival because Wutai didn't want them to come build pipelines in uh, in Wutai's territory. Um, hmm. Wutai was always coded as East Asian. Uh, and in the original Final Fantasy VII, again, this is this is just like the story from not just Final Fantasy VII, but like this is the beginning of the game. This is what has happened. They beat Wu Tai and put their Maker Reactor, hmm, Maka Reactors there, uh, and that is just like it's kind of a done deal. Um, uh, I don't remember if there is more like war pro- like propagation and like we're trying to go back to war, but here in the remake, that is like instantly the thing right it's like we think these avalanche people are tied to wutai this is our excuse to go fight wutai again right there's like a well, lot also, of they're like originally the into, 
Yeah, and Shinra is originally a defense company, which I also don't remember oh, from the first game. interesting. That's interesting. Um, yeah, they built their... the Like, President Shinra made his money selling weapons huh. that fueled the war I don't think that's you. true at all in the, in the original. I think they're just the power company. Yeah, so that is a big Oh, no, I'm wrong. Change. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I've just double-checked. Okay. I've double-checked. I don't know if this is from the original or if this is from like Crisis Core or before Crisis, but apparently right. Shinra was founded as Shinra Manufacturing Works, which made weapons. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there there is more of that, but as far as like looking outside of Midgar and like even meeting, I think you only meet one character who's from Wutai. Okay. And it's just for him to give you a CD that's got the Wutai music track on it. And that's that kind of it. That did happen. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, the, there's like obviously some flashback stuff that takes place in other places mm-hmm. um, here and there. But yeah, I don't, I don't get the sense that there is a big world or like you, you hear the words golden saucer, which is like the big right. casino, but you don't get a sense of it uh, in that way. Um, uh, but I, I think in some ways that actually makes it all work better because you don't get that moment of getting to the world map and realizing Midgar is the biggest place, the biggest single place on the map in terms of, like it feeling like yeah. a city. And that's an interesting thing. It was one of my questions one of my friends had for me. It was like they were worried that it wouldn't feel like a full game because you, you when you there's kind of this flow to a Japanese RPG where it's pretty linear at first, and then especially with the Final Fantasies, they break open at some point. Yeah. And get big. And that doesn't happen here. Right. There's a few points where it expands out and you get to know certain sections of the city better and move around within them. But there's no real you don't have that big revelatory moment where you get to feel how big the world is. Totally. Totally. That's 100 percent true, um, or at least for me so far. Um, in fact, at this point in the game, I, I, I want to be clear, like I can't go or maybe I, maybe I could run all the way back to some early game areas, but there's a lot of like closing the gate behind you. Um, and making sure you go from chapter to chapter. This is not like a big open world game. This is not open world Midgar from the jump. Uh, just to like give you a little bit of a sense of what the structure is. It's like narrative linear section. Then you get to a new hub. And the hub will have a bunch of side quests. Um, and on those side quests, you do some fighting. You do some fetch questy stuff. There's some mini games, etc. And then you complete all the side quests. They very clearly sign market for you or, or uh, signposted for you that you've done the, the side quests. And then, in fact, I think in the menu you can open up a thing. I think if you push in the middle button, the uh, yes. the pad, you, you hit and then the the map button, and then L two. I think it'll it'll tell you like here are all the quests you've done. You did six out of six. Um, in this zone, in this chapter or whatever. And that is really sign, useful. Does it signpost like what you get from side quests and stuff? I mean, not bef- no. there aren't enough for that to be a problem. You're okay. going to do yeah. all the side quests. Like okay. this isn't a, this isn't the Witcher, right? This isn't okay. like, holy shit, this board has 13 things on it. It's okay. well, <laughs> there right, is okay. the, there's that, li- that list, the guy you've gotten the, the combat Intel list guy, right? Chadley. Chad. Yeah. Chadley. Yes. Yes. But those are passive things, right? Those are like, or I guess you could be active in, in hunting them down. Mm-hmm. I've done in, most of them when I get okay, them, so I, it's been weird. Quick quick question for you on that. Did you figure out how to get 200% stagger bonus? Not yet. Not yet. Okay. I, I have no fucking idea how to do that. And I feel like they gave it. To, they gave me that question, that, that like challenge so early in the game that they expect me to be able to do it, and I have no fucking clue. Yeah, I, I will um, say, having beat it, no. Um, 
And I've gone to some places where I can get it to like 185, but I don't know what I have not pinpointed what the mechanism is that's making that's that so happen. weird. Okay, I'll I'll hmm, I'm going to read the in-game manual and see if I can find a solution. Um, I'm glad it's not just me, though. Uh, that stuff does. Those challenges will say, hey, if you do this, you will get blank materia or I'll add blank materia to my shop. Um, but the other stuff isn't signposted in that way, Kato, because like. You're just going to do it. You're going to help these kids, like, this kid find the cats that she lost. You're going to do it. You're not going to not do it. There's only five quests in this thing. You're going to want that downtime between the big, more linear sections. And I say linear not because the the areas, the dungeon-y areas aren't, don't have twists and turns, um, but because... They are still fundamentally you're making forward progress. Um, and also most of them have twists and turns, but they're mostly twists to go find a treasure chest and then come back to the main vein and then solve a puzzle and move forward. You know what I mean? Like right. Final Fantasy VII is a, a fairly linear game through Midgar. Um, mm-hmm. And this game pretty much has that still. I think you, you told me before we started recording, Matthew, that there is still one, there's like one more hub for me to get to. And yeah, you've got one more hub, and it's the largest hub okay. with the most side quests. And they okay. make it, it's very apparent that, like, once, you, once you're done here, like, you're into the final run. Okay, cool. Um, I'm very curious about, about everything. Um, the, the, uh, I guess I'll, I'll pull up another question. Um, we did the, we talked about soundtracks already. Uh, Jeffrey Rousseau writes in and says, so for us black folks, I'd like to know how bad is Barrett's <laughs> voice direction and portrayal via 2020 sensibilities? I don't like it. I want to say something else. I don't like his hair. Oh, <laughs> really? Yeah. I think uh, his hair is like really straight and I don't get it. Like he's a explicitly a black character. There are characters in this game that have curly, nappy fucking hair. Uh, give him a fucking high top fade. Uh, why you gotta why you gotta do him like this? Why is he gelled up? Um, <laughs> I'm half joking, but I'm also kind of serious because yeah. Barrett for me was one of the first like voiced, not literally voiced, but um, uh, you know, textually voiced black characters in games. Um, for me as a kid, and that meant something. And event, but by the end, but even by the end of that game, I had kind of felt like, well, he was mostly comic relief yeah. and mostly like a joke uh he has his moments he's still important important the ways in which he's important are ways that i even as a 14 year old or whatever 13 year old uh was coming to understand were the types of roles black characters were allowed to be Mm -hmm. loud and boisterous the soul of the party but not necessarily the brains etc um and i would say so far that is still the vibe for me um because he 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 is the he is absolutely a constant like like fountain of jokes um uh i do laugh when he calls cloud soldier boy uh which is funny because uh. cloud was a soldier capital s o l d i e r uh-huh. um but but i i what i've seen so far has just gotten under my skin basically i don't know if more to, there's more to come that will change that for me but we'll see I yeah I think you nailed it. Yeah, um, they've cleaned up. They cleaned up some of his dialogue to make it less overt, less black exploitation. Yeah. yeah, exactly, less black exploitation. But it's still fundamentally the same character that he was before. And I, I the think they've given him some moments is, to soften yeah. him with Marlene, but still, sure. it just doesn't. Yes. It doesn't quite. It, it it's a little cringy. 
Yeah, it's tough because he's he's the leader of Avalanche, right? Mm-hmm. And well, well, okay, he's uh, he's the leader of a of, of a, a cell ex- of Avalanche. Yeah. Yes, 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 of his cell of Avalanche, which which again was in the original game, but not to the degree it is here. Here, very early, you understand that this is like they are a splinter cell off of Avalanche proper, um, which is right. very fascinating. But he's supposed to be their commanding officer, and yes. yet. You know, there are times when he's like, all right, everybody, you're going to do what I tell you. But there are other times where he come, comes across like a joke. And that's a bummer. Um, uh, here's one that comes in from Cass, who says, Cloud's struggle with his mental health was a core part of the appeal of the game, the reconciliation uh, of of desire for strength slash masculinity and his desire to be accepted. How does how does the remake approach Cloud's mental state, especially because since he's still in his deep, cool persona in Midgar? Um. I think there's kind of two questions here because one is how do they deal with Cloud working through trauma, which is a center mm-hmm. point of this of, of the original Final Fantasy VII. Here, it's been mostly painful flashbacks, dissociation, um, potentially this sort of whatever's happening with Sephiroth, but it's not clear if that's magic or if that's mental health yet. Um, uh, and then, and then, I mean, there there are straight up things that he is clearly blacked out, right? Yeah. Um, there's a sequence early on when he like, not that, I guess not that early on. There's a sequence where a, where a name comes up and he doesn't, he like can't bear to hear it. And it's so fucking, that moment got me. Um, that's really good. Uh, and there are, but there are also sequences where it's just like, you know, cloud holds his head and that means he's, ah, oh, I have to like be cartoonishly upset. I'm, my brain is bad. And that stuff doesn't always land. No. Um, but I, they're they're trying to do. They are trying to do this as a person working through trauma. There's also the part where yes, he is still especially in his cool Midgar persona, where he has like all of his shields up, where he is just kind of a piece of shit to everyone. <laughs> yes, he comes across he's like not, a fucking asshole. He's not pleasant to be around. I wouldn't want to hang out with this guy. Why does anyone want to date this man? Yeah, he's a piece <laughs> of shit. Like it's not even. There's a point at which I was like, is he? Is it because he's negging people? Is this game pro negging? And the answer is no, because negging is a tactic used by people to. It's active. Pers- it's active. He just doesn't like anyone. He is. Yeah, he's just completely a piece of shit. aloof. Yes. Yes. And in his message, every time anyone asks him to help, his first question is always, "What are you going to pay me?" Right. Repeatedly. 100%. Yes, yes. That 100%. seems to be all he cares about. Um, um, 100%. Um, oh, 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 well, I guess. Um, I, uh, I think are, that there's, there's room for them to do better with that stuff in the next couple games as more of those plot revelations kind of pull through. Sure, but sure. don't hold your breath, I think. Oh, yeah, that's probably fair. Um, uh, where'd that question go? Someone wrote in and said, is there an opportunity to grind? I've lost the tweet, so I, I'm sorry. I've, I've lost the question. Not for me so far. Um, oh, you, you could, if you want, I guess, to. I guess what I could do is I could, I guess, are there sections where enemies do respawn? I guess so. Like the kind of they, like transitional areas. Yeah. Yeah. Those, a lot of those dungeons and things that you've been through, if you like hang out there, yeah, stuff will respawn. Okay. Um, um, and ab- uh, after credits roll, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely, 100%. You can grind. That makes sense. Grind I have so many questions about what the post game is, but I'm explicitly not asking them because I don't want to know. But I do want to know, but not, <laughs> I don't want to know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, I, I get it. 
this uh we got another question here um let's see here uh uh gateway shuffle at Spike Spiegel <laughs> writes in and says, given that this is just a Midgar section, is it still worth playing even though we might not know when the next installment will be out or we're still that this game may never be completed? Do you yeah, feel like, yeah, this is a good enough game on its own or do you feel like if, if we're going to have to wait three years for another one of these that it, it's going to be... You know, it's, it's funny. I, as, I was, as I was finishing it, uh, I had the feeling like, oh, if they never made another, they've built this in such a way that it has a satisfying conclusion if they, for some reason, don't get a chance to do the other two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so also, I think so. This game is going to do gangbusters. I should have said oh, this yeah. up top where people where everyone was still listening. I think this game is going to do unbelievable numbers. The, um, the, the combat is so much... Well, like it's the it's the story you love yeah. or, or you know or half remember but just like playing <laughs> it the feel of it is so good it feels so good every uh a lot of people not everyone uh, a lot of people are still going to their fucking jobs because they're essential mm-hmm. workers or because they're in places where there have not been you know um shelter in place laws or rules put into place yet etc people have bills to pay so i don't want to say everyone but there are a lot more people at home than normal we're at the end of the PS4's life cycle, which means yep. that the install base is as high as it's going to be. And digital downloads are a thing. Um, I think you're going to have people who learn how to download video games to play this game because they remember they are literally in the people who were 13 when this game came out. This game came out in 1997, right, in, in yep. America? Um, September 6, 1997. Are, are what then? They are now 36, 35, 36. 30, yeah, Yep. Um, and that is like prime, the prime demographic where the average 35 year old has a little bit of spending money, has more than they had when they were 25. Again, we're talking about averages. Believe me, I know that there is a breadth of, of experiences here. You know, you know what I'm saying? Um, this is not always the case. I, I remember what it was like, you know, when my parents were 35 and, and maybe did not have as much money as they had when they were 25. Um, the, the, uh, the, that is, uh, there. Those are people who are going to remember Final Fantasy VII, people who are now in their mid thirties, uh, and are going to want to do something with their time. And I think, like, oh wow, there's a new, there's a Final Fantasy VII remake. That's perfect. Sign me the fuck up. I think this game is going to do extremely well, mm-hmm. and I think it's going to get under the skin of every purist who hates this game. That everyone else loves this game. Um, Agreed. <laughs> I think every, I think the vast majority of people are going to completely explode with joy with this game. I, I really, really think it's going to do extremely well, separate from questions of whether or not I think it works myself. You know what I mean? Um, though right now I'm having a really good time with it. There's uh, going to be so many YouTube videos in two or three weeks that are Square Enix destroyed Final Fantasy VII. 100%. 100%. You know what? And here's what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to say this is the moment to Wait. To, if you're going to play the game, go into it with an open heart, knowing that yep. it is an adaptation, not a replacement. Go into it because you don't know what side of that you're going to want to be on in three weeks. You don't know. Those videos are going to hit and you're going to, you, you might wind up on the side with some people you don't want to be with. Uh, <laughs> you don't know yet. I'm saying, I'm saying that for me too. Listen, I'm not out here waving the flag. I don't know where this is all going to shake out. I might hit the end of this and go, like, you know what? This fucking sucks. Actually, this is reactionary bullshit. I don't know. 
Um, uh, though I will say again, at this point, it's been dope to hear a bunch of people saying, like, I don't care what Shinra says, we have to blow the fucking thing up. Like, yeah. <laughs> we have to be on the right side. Like, revolutionary violence is messy, but it's necessary in this moment. Uh, has been has been heartening to hear. That's um, the stuff that really hit me super different uh, playing it now as opposed to I playing bet. it when I was 14. Like, all of that just really has been lingering with me. Totally. Um, Dave from college, question mark, says, and kind of building on this a little bit, does nuclear slash geothermal energy as a central subject of anxiety feel like a strange choice in 2020? I mean, no, uh, in the sense no. that climate, <laughs> cl you know, global warming, climate change, climate disaster, climate catastrophe is sharper than ever, um, more sharply understood than ever. Um, I think if anything, it seems, it makes Final Fantasy VII seem especially prescient. Yeah. Um, not that we didn't know, not that scientists had not already been warning us for 20 years about the effects of, of man-made climate change. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, but, that's how you get Final Fantasy VII in the first place, right? Exactly. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I, I, we were doing a, um, God, I remember when this was, was this before the end of the year? Was this, oh, no, this was part of, uh, Patrick, Patrick was asking for questions, um, uh, to send to Square about the the original Final Fantasy VII and the angle he was taking. I don't know if this piece is coming out this week or if it's on delay now or what, um, but some of the questions he was trying to base were like around the context of when the game came out versus the context um, when when this came out. Uh, and one of the things that, so, so one of the things he was like, he was like, oh, hey, we should look at like a list of things that happened in 1997 to like make a comparison. Um, and one of the things that I noted was like the first Prius came out in 1997, which was like the big first commercial wow. hybrid vehicle, right? Oh, uh, which like given the <laughs> ecological themes of that game then is super interesting. I mean, the 90s, like the, the, the era that Final Fantasy VII came out, it was prescient, but also, you know, uh, 1997 is the year that Dolly the sheep is the, is cloned, or at least that it's popularized, or people start to learn that stuff. Um, and it's like very of its time in that way. Titanic is that Titanic and Final Fantasy VII. They're not the same, certainly, but there is like <laughs> there's such a vibe around the particular instant. The question of uh, the the ways in which romance are framed in the discourse around those those texts. Um, it's very funny, but I do I think that the the the, the Mako Energy live stream. We eco eco terrorism is the only way to stop capitalism from destroying the earth. Stuff is just as resonant now as then, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's not the the anxiety isn't we're using bad energy. The it, it, I don't think it was ever nuclear energy. Like I I get the I where that comes from. Yeah, I was gonna say. No, I, can I see talk, where the reading is just. I talked kind of to. Uh, sorry, I talked to a few uh, Japanese people who uh who research this kind of stuff um mm -hmm. looking explicitly for like the the one-to-one -one kind of terrorist references sure. uh, from like japanese cult and they're they everybody kind of came back with it's not really about that it's more yeah. looking at like kind of what had what had been going on in america and america's view on on domestic terrorism and that kind of thing and the nuclear right. stuff is kind of and aside, and one had e one even told me that uh, if it had been explicitly uh, anti-nuclear propaganda, quote unquote, then it probably wouldn't have been made. Really interesting, yeah. huh? Um, yeah, I always I always read it explicitly as an oil um, thing, mm -hmm. but again, it's a very Western, it's a very American perspective 
on that game. And when I say always, I mean, when I was 12 and played this game, I was like, <laughs> they're talking about oil. Um, and then when I replayed it in college, I was like, they're definitely talking about oil. Fuck George Bush. Um, <laughs> so uh, uh, Vicky writes in and says, how do you feel about the, the voiceover and the voice acting? Um, I am mixed on it. There are elements that are, again, we talked about Barrett already. Um, I think Cloud's voice is good if if you're okay with him being a piece of shit. Um, <laughs> Aerith has grown on me. I think when she first showed up, she was really grating, or not grating. The There's performance, a lilt in her yes. voice that feels a little, that's that's a little stabbing. Uh, yeah. But I, but, but I got used to it. And it plays into kind of, you were talking about earlier, she's mischievous, she's flirty. Right. Um, it's a it's voice she's voice. putting on. Yes. Right, like that's part of the thing that that brought me around on Aerith's voice, which is also true about Cloud. To be to be clear, right, yeah. like everyone in this game is behind at least seven walls of different persona, um, <laughs> persona. Uh, uh, they're they're each they each have on their persona masks, and they're wielding the receivers from Persona Three, and uh, no, like and and I think the voice acting gets better when those masks come off, right? When it like right. Or it doesn't get better, but it is better all along once you realize, like, oh, this is – if it's stilted, it's partially because this is a character putting on a voice a little bit. Um, uh, Chocobo Sam, a favorite. Great. Chocobo Sam, incredible voice. Great yeah. voice acting from Chocobo Sam. Madame M, also great voice acting. Yep. All, all three of the three big non-Don Corneo characters in Wall Market have great voices. Um, the uh, The other thing here definitely, too, is – um, it is still that it is still, you know, uh, kind of shonen anime tinged in delivery in mm -hmm. characterization. Like if you have, if those are anathema to you, it's not you're gonna have a bad time. <laughs> you know, uh, if you're not here for someone delivering a long monologue because it, you know just because that's what the bad guy does in this scenario, then uh, then you're gonna it's not gonna be your thing. I will say it's much less stilted than Kingdom Hearts 3. They've they figured out how to delete the empty space between lines. It doesn't Good. have that terrible thing that Kingdom Hearts 3 had where it's like Which but Sora feels like on purpose. I, yeah. Given the other yeah, games that those the, the same director has made, it's like are I you know. just doing this because that's how the first ones came out and you don't want to break with a certain weird tradition of like this is just what cutscenes are in Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Did you put on the the voice the Japanese voice track at all? Not at all. No, I'm I'm a, I'm a dub fan for life because I tend to multitask Damn. and I'm a fool. Um, <laughs> how is it? I'm guessing it's uh, no. Actually, pause. The reason I don't do that is because I don't trust my own ability to evaluate Japanese voice acting because it all okay. sounds better to me because I'm it's not I don't understand the language in a in a right. in an intimate way and that's fine but I'd rather I would rather engage as a critic I would rather directly engage with the element that I can actually evaluate um I if I said the Japanese voice acting was good I would be lying to you because I don't have the capacity to tell you if it's good or not do you know what I mean yeah no absolutely I may as well tell you which paint is better I don't know shit about paint <laughs> That one, I guess, looks better to me, but I can't do a deeper evaluation on cadence and and you know inflection points and stuff like that. Anyway, but but as someone who enjoys Japanese voice acting, do you is it enjoyable? Uh, the the little bit of it I did I liked, uh, but the it 
it's a bigger lift to switch between the two tracks than I would have liked. Oh, is it? Uh, you have to like have completely to restart the whole game. Oh, that blows. To, so I, I, at one point I was just like, all right, well, I'm just going to stick with the English dub because I don't want to have to, if I could just flip easily back and forth, I probably would have explored it more. Um, and maybe in the post game stuff, I'll turn it on, but uh, it's, it's, it's kind of a pain to switch between them. So I didn't do it much. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And it is a, it is a bummer like that. That's, I would so much rather, even someone who isn't going to directly engage with that, I would rather it be there for people, you know? Um, uh, talk, we already talked about how spunky Aerith is. Sorry, Paris. Uh, Bram Cracker writes in to know about how open Midgar is. We did already answer that one. Um, uh, Toa Dig uh, says, as a lore nerd, does the anime filler of this game help or hurt the game's universe? Reviews are fairly mixed on the new stuff. So far, I'm, I'm pretty positive on it. You, but again, in the sense that it adds color, um, even if it doesn't necessarily add a plot, you know? Yeah, I'm pro everything new that they've done so far. Um, here we go. Amanda Cosmos writes in. Who is everyone's favorite Turk? <laughs> Ooh, that's good. Um, for me, uh, Reno, because okay. he's the most fun to fight. He is fun to fight. The other fight felt I was frustrated. <laughs> yeah, fair. Well, here's what I like about Rude. Rude is Cesaro from the WWE. He's <laughs> a big, bald dude. He does the Cesaro okay. swing. Okay. He does like he like he's literally lifts moves from he's like a big wrestler. He's not he's rude to be clear, is like a dude in a suit, but like oh. Cesaro had a bit for a while where he was wearing a dude where he was wearing a suit and doing kind of a James Bond hitman thing. So right. it just it just it maps very cleanly. <laughs> the Turks are interesting here for a couple of reasons. I think the Turks are the they Turks, made them. They made them morally conflicted too, which is well. Interesting. So they did that after Final Fantasy VII already, right? The thing <laughs> is that the Turks work. Or the Turks are like the secret police. The Turks are the CIA of Shinra. I'm being very broad with my with my uh, description here um, for spoiler reasons, but also because I don't have time to get into deep Final Fantasy VII lore about who the Turks are. Um, but basically, they do a lot of Shinra's dirtiest dirty work. Um, and, um, they, in the original game are cool villains. They have a cool soundtrack. That's the one that go that has the snap in it, which already makes it very good. Um, <laughs> it has like a dope baseline. Like that's what it does the whole time through. And it, they're sick, but also they're, they're villains. Like it's, it's pretty mm -hmm. open and shut that they're not cool. <laughs> um, they 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 posture as cool, right? Like they have yeah. they have the coolest of the Nazi uniforms on. Um, uh, that is it, right? Like they got Lenny Riefenstahl in the back to try to like make them look as dope as possible. Um, but but that is all they were. And then in the additional Final Fantasy content, the seven content that came out for years after Final Fantasy seven, they did give them hearts and make them less. Uh, more conflicted and 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 like yeah, but wait a second, this one has a crush on this character. Oh wow, this one has a has a tragic backstory, and they've rolled that stuff here into them for sure. And I've only seen them I've only seen them a few times where I'm at like I'm I'm kind of in a moment now where I'm seeing a little bit more of them, um, and it's very clear that they're like these are these are real these these people who destabilize nations are actually <laughs> they have families too, you know? Yeah, um, I mean. They still pull the trigger, but yes. Right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Exactly. 
Um, so, uh, you know. Um, uh, Dane writes in and says, how do you think this game fares as, uh, as an entry point to Final Fantasy as a series for new fans? That's something I've been well, thinking about but a lot. Me. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think it is a perfect game to do that because there's so many of the common Final Fantasy things that are here um, while making the gameplay like feel so vibrant and fresh and fun and new. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't need like you don't need to know what a Chocobo is or what a Moogle is. Um, you can just no. kind of dive into this. Yeah, definitely. Right? I don't. I think this is. This was also part of why Final Fantasy VII originally felt so um, uh, so open to people was it was not buried in terminology. It was yeah. not, I mean, it was obviously, but it, you know. Its own internal. Mocker reactors, blah, blah, blah. Though. Yes, exactly. Um, uh, and, you know, as a game that is set in like a fantasy, like diesel punk blend, it's kind of like modernity modernity but with magic instead of oil i think made it very accessible narratively to a lot of people who would have been put off by earlier final fantasies like fantasy the traditional high fantasy or, or mid fantasy kind of setting um in a way that like hey look that's a car i know what a car is you know <laughs> here's a giant robot etc when when was the last time i guess final fantasy 14 where they had a kind of a more traditional, traditional fantasy setting 14 yeah yeah i think it's 14 okay um or i if you kind of like bravely default which some people don't but bravely default are kind of final fantasy games actually um but in terms of mainline final fantasy games i would say it's 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 the words final fantasy in the name yes yes um hey bravely default gets an ff bravely Uh, default flying fairy that's why uh, it's that that's mm. why it's that. Well, that well, mm. uh huh. Uh, Listen, I'm not gonna get into the spoilers. No really default but... spoilers on this podcast, Kato. <laughs> um, <laughs> there are crystals in that game. Listen, that's a Final yeah. Fantasy to me. You put crystals in your game. That's a Final Fantasy to me. Oh shit. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. The here's one that that um that uh comes in from uh, Viscount Francis B- Bacon. Can Aerith only do magical attacks slash abilities now because nothing was better in the original than watching her gleefully smack the hell out of enemies with a leaping overhead strike from her staff? <laughs> I have not gotten a melee staff for Aerith yet. Same. Uh, all I ever... she It's all distance with her. I never got a melee staff. I, yeah. Hmm. yeah. Unfortunately. Um, uh, so one, one other thing that actually is not a... Um, is not a uh, a question that came in, but something I think about a lot is in terms of some of the expansion stuff or kind of the extending certain things. There are places where I think it really works. Um, I think the stuff we talked about, like the Jesse uh, going going to, to to see what Jesse's family's life is like, is one of those things. That's a completely new narrative thing. I think that totally works. I think the boss fights uh, tend to work. You know, there there are boss fights in this game originally, or in the original Final Fantasy VII, that last four or five minutes, and now last 20 minutes, 15, mm-hmm. 20 minutes, right? That are like these brawls. Um, and again, they work for me because I've happened to get through most of them. Um, <laughs> but but if I'd been dying, I'm sure that would have been more frustrating. But I, I'm really enjoying the challenge that it's giving, giving me. There's one place where I don't know that the extension necessarily works, 
Um, and it's when there is a really distinctive screen from Final Fantasy VII. When you think about Final Fantasy VII, you have to think about partially in terms of screens or areas. And you can have like, hey, here's remember that area where you and Aerith like walked through a ruined highway and there was like a bunch of like dilapidated construction equipment and like a weird robot hand. And then, you know, you had some random battles and then you got to the next zone, right? That's like the, the stuff between Aerith's house and Wall Market, basically, right? Yep. Um, in this, because it has to be a 40-hour game or whatever, that isn't one screen that you pass through in 10 minutes. That's a, that's a dungeon that lasts 20 to 30 or 40 minutes, depending on how slow you move through it. <laughs> and it feels um, like it's three hours long. And it feels like it's three hours long. And hey, do you remember that really evocative big robot hand that made you go like, whoa, did they have mechs in this world? Like, what what was, what was happened here? How did this all get like that? Was this a construction machine? Like, what... Now, that is a recurring puzzle element where you have to pick up and move crates around. Um, and it's not fun. And it's not fun. And <laughs> um, I got through it pretty pretty quickly, thankfully. But like, I, a friend of mine who's playing through the game got stuck there uh, because it's like, just not necessarily signposted well the way the mechanic works. And then more importantly, you don't not everything needs to be a thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, sometimes you can just have a cool robot arm in the background that's imposing and makes you ask questions about the world. It doesn't need to become a dungeon puzzle element that's recurring, especially. Um, it's like the original gets, Star Wars trilogy to the Star Wars prequels. Right. Obi Obi Wan is in the is wearing what he's wearing because he's in the desert and you know <laughs> needs to be cool in those robes, and then that becomes the uniform. The for uniform the of the Jedi. Jedi. Yeah, exactly. A hundred percent that. Right. Um, why the fuck are they wearing those robes on Coruscant? You know they got air conditioning. You know they can wear a <laughs> yeah. nice suit. Um, so this is what Palpatine understood. Uh, um, this is <laughs> Palpatine understood the the value of a good tailor. Um, I would never tell you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, the, uh, the, the, I, they do that stuff kind of with every one of these sections. Like any, any time that you were like walking between two zones in the original Final Fantasy VII is now a moment that you are walking between two zones and there is now an added mechanic or some side fights or and not that there weren't random battles before, but it tends, it really feels like a lot of those sections have added shit now. I think even the sewers were not as long as they were in the original, right? No, there was, not at there was all. no, was there water lowering and raising shit? Not that I remember. And there's Me a lot, either. like a lot of that stuff is expanded in ways that it's mostly good, but a lot of that stuff is expanded in ways that don't feel fun. Right. Um, and there are some fights later in the game that, uh, and it's mostly sides, it's never bosses that right. feel that were very frustrating. Um, there, oh, I believe because, that. Because I of that, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I, I want to say that some of this stuff really does work. Um, yeah. One of the things that was in preview content for the game, so I'm happy to talk about it here, uh, is the fight against the air burster. Is that what it's called? The air buster? The, yes. One of the first bosses is during the second. Um, the second reactor run, um, where on the way to it, basically like, you get this big confrontation and then uh, basically you learn that you're going to have to fight this kind of mech that you walked past earlier that was kind of in storage. Um, this is kind of like floaty hover mech thing. All of the mechanical design in this game is great. I love it. It's so, it like fucking whips. It's so good. Um, you walk past this thing that has like a big hover like tank bottom and then like a mech, a humanoid mech top basically it kind of looks like the zeong for gundam fans out there 
um, uh, which is to say it's cool and that you don't, you know, you don't need legs in space and you don't need legs in Midgar. You can just float around. Um, uh, the, you pass by it and then as it's being deployed, you learn like, oh, it's not a hundred percent complete yet. And as you go from room to room fighting the, the kind of random, like, uh, soldiers and scientists and stuff, um, you can divert upgrades from it to remove like the AOE attack that it has or a stunning attack that it has, or to give yourself uh, bonus like potions and shit. Um, and that's really cool. Like that sequence of like, you're building your boss fight was actually mm -hmm. very cool. Um, so they do do some cool stuff with that expansion, but there are times when I'm like, this was better when it was just a hallway. Like, it's okay. You can just put a hallway in your game sometimes. I would rather that attention be spent on stuff like the 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 Jesse, like, uh, uh, adventure, which which felt really additive, you know? Yeah, there. I mean, like I said, there's a couple times where it feels like we're just kind of treading water to get more combat encounters in. Yeah, uh, But it's mostly good. Pato, do you have any other questions that come in? Um... No, not particularly. I kind of asked them more up front. They were all kind of like, because I have such a weak memory of this game, it was mostly like uh, based off the demo and how how I thought that felt and whether or not the, that 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 um, that rhythm continues to feel good going yeah. forward. But um, yeah. I'm excited to 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 play it and you know dig into some of the. Even like I, Final Fantasy has been such a weird franchise for like half knowing things when you've never played the games, but there was yeah. so much other media around it. Like I'm pretty sure I saw Advent Children at some point because the anime club I was in saw Advent Children at some point. Sure. You know, like and there's gonna be weird memories that will crop up as I like play this game. Like, where did I pick that up? Is that still canon? How does how do all of those things work? Is everything real what is real anymore in this right in this canon right like um, um given that this remake i would consider makes changes. this to be a new canon right yeah or I if not a new the... i don't know like i said my galaxy brain thing was like this is a sequel i don't that's 100 percent right. <laughs> an early galaxy brain take that is like uh, but for me you have to think of it as like a new adaptation right or a mm -hmm. new a new version of that story um totally. i don't know about the advent children shit like i don't know if before crisis still right comes in um uh so I, I think it's probably worth it's worth it will be worth revisiting that stuff after this well i don't know if it'll be right. worth revisiting it i don't <laughs> well, know if that's good enough to revisit necessarily yeah. <laughs> but like it's worth thinking about this stuff if you've already visited it you know? what was the the third person action game with vincent a dirge of cerberus, yeah. Yeah. Dirge of cerberus. <laughs> yeah see they all Wolf. had you see they all like find like bravely default um uh uh, Bravely Default Flying Fairy, the compilation of Final Fantasy games, all had joke uh, a joke in them. Um, Ad Advent Children AC, Before Crisis BC, mm. Crisis Core CC, Dirge of Cerberus <laughs> DC. Um, I think that those are all the ones that they got out. I think that wow. they, they didn't ever get EC out, uh, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> so, but yes, that is that is how that worked. Um, I think that that's going to do it for us. Oh, you know, um, let's end on this question um, from Dia, uh, fan of the site, not fan of the site, friend of the site. I'm a fan <laughs> of Dia's work. 
Yeah. I mean, I'd like to think that Dia is also a fan of the site. Uh, everyone should go fi- follow Dia Lacina, D-I-A-L-A-C-I-N-A, uh, a super important critic and voice to follow. Uh, Dia says, what are your hopes generally whenever a game is remade? Do you want the same experience, only HD slash more fleshed out or something wildly different? Um, this is a, a, a big question that came in from a, a lot of folks, but but Dia kind of sums it up there pretty well. Um, I'm so much in the in the hmm, am I? Let me be <laughs> let me be thoughtful. <laughs> I am in the camp that I want I want the best of both worlds, and I think right, we have it with Final right. Fantasy VII. You can turn on your PlayStation right now. You can go to PSN uh, and download Final Fantasy VII, the original Final Fantasy VII. For twenty dollars, I th- I think maybe it has a different translation, but I even think that you can get the PS One edition, not the remastered edition, and get that with the original translation. I believe. On top of that availability, I want if you're going to do a remake, I want the fucking I want it new. I want you to interrogate yeah. what it's done. To, why is it worth doing a remake it, to some degree? Do you know what I mean? Um, if you're going to pour all of those hours into making this thing, all this money, if you're going to push people in an industry that already mm-hmm. is going to, you know, is going to in- include some degree of crunch and, and some degree of, um, um, you know, overworking and stuff like that. Um, uh, and you're going to do it just to like, give me shiny graphics. I don't know that that's, I don't know that that's anything. Um, and I guess I should, I should, I should step that back for a second and say like, I don't think that there's a game so good that it deserves crunch. Uh, there's not like, well, this is an achievement, and that's why we needed to work 80 hours for seven weeks in a row, seven months in a row in some cases. Like, no. Um, but but I do think that, like, if you're going to do the work, then do the work, and, and I want something. I want a, a, an adaptation that is that is pushing things and not just recreating the original. The original is there. It's 20 bucks. I could go play it, you know? Um but yeah. I can only do that if the original is I, – I, I think there's a precondition there, which is, like, you should also enable people to continue to – especially in games where, like, our memory our, – our kind of memory of what games are is so limited. We have such a bad – and I'm talking about that with me even, right? Like, Final Fantasy VII is part of the canon, but it's a very long game if you want to play it the way it came out then. Um, and so it's hard for me to be like, yeah, I want to put 45 hours aside to go back and play through Final Fantasy VII while I'm not, instead of playing new stuff to cover, but even just in terms of just in my mix of stuff, whereas going back to pl- to watch an old movie will take me two hours, you know? Right. Um, I think it's a difficulty for games, and I think it shows. I think it's we're very novel, fo- you know, novel uh, uh, biased. We're interested in gimmicks. We're interested in the new, um, and that is... A, a, I think an actual um, weight around the neck of games crit um, in a real way that I don't know how we fix. Um, I don't think the current system works for retrospective games criticism the way the way it is. Like the fact that I watched a half, you know, not even half, like a, a a fifth of a let's play before playing this game or while playing this game is not a thing I've ever done for a game before or or, or recently at least. Um, uh, you know, if there was a new Bioshock game coming out, I should go back and play Bioshock before writing a review about a new Bioshock game. Um, that is what a, a great film critic would do. They would go back and remind themselves of the techniques of the directors, and we don't do that here. Um, so I do think that there it's, is a degree. Go ahead. Go ahead. I feel like it, it's hard to do sometimes because yes. video games are so much a part of the era that they were created in, right? Yes, the original Final totally. Fantasy VII is 1997 in yes. video games. Yep. 
Um, and after you've played other things, you know, a movie I could put on seven samurai yeah. and sit down and enjoy the hell out of it and, and, and love everything about it. And then watch magnificent seven and see what the changes were and how this adaptation works. And then um, watch this past... the contemporary magnificent seven and see again, yeah. how pacing and action sequences, <laughs> how characterization and blah, 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 you know, all that stuff has continued to change and develop, but it's so much harder to go back to the original work in a game. Yeah. With a, yeah, with a game, it's so much harder. And you, there's, there's things that have changed about all the way all video games work that it's harder to put up with now. Um, you know, um, uh, and I think it's extra interesting here where like, you know, Nomura is the director on this game. Katase is a producer. These are some of the key creatives of the original game, right? Of the original Final Fantasy seven. Um, there's a lot of that team is still involved here in different ways. Uh, and that is, is, makes this an especially interesting thing, right? Um, uh, Kazushige Nojima was a, was a writer on the original Final Fantasy VII and is now, I think, the lead writer on this game. Uh, like, a lot of these folks, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't give a lot of credit to reviewer guides uh, that come with these <laughs> games. These games often come with a thing that's like, here's your review guide. Here's like, if right. you get stuck on this boss fight, here's a thing. Or like, hey, did you know that if you hit triangle, you do a blah, you do the special attack? Um, because, you know, we got to tell you that just in case the game doesn't do it a good enough job. We want to make sure that you still get to play it and then like it and give it a good review. Uh, this one opens with a message from from Yoshinori uh, Kitase, who is the uh, the producer of this game. Um, and Kitase uh, had previously been the I want to say was the oof, let me like double let me double check my own shit real quick uh, was the yeah, the director of the original and and the scenario writer of the original. Um, not just not just the producer, but like was like this is my project, and so. It is like very funny that the introduction of this review guide basically starts by him saying like the game you are about to play is something I have worked on for much of my professional life. And like, <laughs> damn, true. Which yeah. makes this remake an even more, an even dis more distinct thing. Like Hitchcock didn't remake Psycho, mm -hmm, you know, right. but what if he did? We would, um, we would look at him almost like, like we look at George Lucas. Right. Totally. But what if George Lucas had, instead of making, what if instead of making, um, instead of making the prequel trilogy, which does the thing that you said before as like a great indicator of, of what is what is bad about that those movies, but also kind of what is good about those movies. Um, <laughs> uh, what if instead he had made like Twin Peaks The Return, the Twin Peaks The Return of Star Wars or something? I was literally going to say like, yeah. Um, and I'm not saying that that's what this is, but it kind of is, you know? I, yeah. I, I, I'm having a hard time finding the analog for this. It, you need to beat it, and we'll I have know. a very different conversation. Yeah, okay. I will do that. <laughs> oh, I think the thing that people point to a lot in comparison is, of course, an anime thing, and it is it is the rebuild of Ava movies um, that ostensibly are going to tell the same story and yet seem like they depart a little bit, but it hasn't departed that much. Wait, wait, so far. a little bit, which, well, I'm, you know, I'm saying, I'm saying compared to Final Fantasy seven departs a little bit. So, oh, okay. So far, sorry. I thought you were talking about the remakes. But, but, uh, the, the first of those remake movies is pretty down the, down the line. Uh -huh. right? Yeah. Well, the, and mm -hmm. then it changes. Yes. Uh -huh. I haven't seen them yet. I'm waiting until they're done. The last one comes out this year. 
Oh, oh, uh, well, we'll okay. see if the last one comes out this year, I guess, now. Right. It was supposed oh, to come out this year. It was but, supposed to. Uh-huh. In April, right? Too? Like this month? Oh, yeah. shit. Uh-huh. Oh, no. Third <laughs> impact has hit. Uh, it, fuck. God uh-huh. damn it. It was a biological weapon. It always was. Um, <laughs> that is not me signing on to any conspiracy theories about about the COVID-19 being a biological weapon. That shit's trash. Anyone who believes that shit is trash, get them out of your life. Yeah. It's um, all about the 5G cell towers. Yeah, oh my God. Let's be real. <laughs> yes. The conspiracy theories are wild. But I guess that's, uh, to me, that is the, the only thing that comes to mind in terms of like, oh, this is a remake with the original creators involved, but also it, it seems like it's going to differ in some key ways. Um, uh, it makes me, just I would love correction. to, yes, sorry, go uh, ahead. June is the release of, so. okay, so still so, it won't come out in June. Probably not. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I would love to have a conversation with them about, like, as a creator who's already done this and told this story, what, what is in it for you? What is your right. motivation? What do you want to be do? What do you, what do you want to do with a remake? You know, mm-hmm. um, because when I finish things, I just want to I want to toss it over into the corner and never think about it again. Mm-hmm. I'm now looking at a list of directors who remade their own movies. This is happening here. Um, Good. Great. Uh, let's see. Hitchcock did this. Hitchcock did this with the man who knew too much, which um, is very funny. Which I did. Cecil not know. B. DeMille did Ten Commandments twice, right? Oh, is that true? I didn't know that. <laughs> what I believe so. is the one we know? The second one. Yeah, the one we know that is the sense. second one, yeah, and the and is sense. also the reason why so many courthouses across the country have. Ten Commandment right. like uh, statues because he donated a bunch of them as a promotional thing for them film. Oh, that's so funny! That's so fucking. Funny. <laughs> that's, that's absolutely true. The one Cecil I remember. Wow. Hollywood gave everyone those uh, Ten Commandment <sighs> statues. Wow, amazing! The one that I remembered was ha- uh, Haneke's Funny Games, uh, the original of which I think is just sharper than the sequel, or not the sequel, the, the remake, the English remake. But that's all such a different thing. Yeah, those are those are weird because they happen so close together. Yeah. Right. Yeah, too. And there's a couple yeah. of I think there was a couple of Japanese horror movies that that like the the guy that's yeah, made the, the ran or uh, uh Juwan. Yeah. You know, like yeah, three yeah. or four times. Totally. totally. Hmm. I'll think on it. If you have if you have we'll wrap up now. If you have uh something that you think fits the bill here is like a remake. Uh uh uh, uh, uh Full Metal Alchemist. Brotherhood. Yeah, right. yeah. Although mm-hmm. like, that was like though anime and, and manga already fits this in a weird in a weird way, right? Right. Uh, but what did you say, Kato? No, it's just like there, there was like ten years between those two, also. So like, I think there was actually almost. actually ten years between the two, but not ex- but that was not experienced that way for people in right. uh, America. Uh, because for me, I was watching Full Metal Alchemist in two thousand four. I want to say. Uh, like I was in college when that was hitting uh, the, the West and then brotherhood was like 2009 or something like that. So yeah, like, you know what I mean? Uh, I'm literally checking this because why not? Yeah. When, yeah. Uh, I remember, when did this... yeah, it was, it was, uh, that sounds right. Uh, it came out in, uh, in later than that, even, uh, 2000. Let me see here. Da, 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 da. Why is this? Oh, fuck off. Give me this here. Um, what year did it win these awards? Uh, 2005. 2003 to 2005 is when it released in the West. Uh, and then 2009 is when Brotherhood started. So there were four years between... between um, or no, 2005 to 2006 is when the originals were released in, in North America, it looks like. Wait, really? 
Um, oh, wow. it, it, that's when it hit DVD. Cartoon Network started November 6, 2004. So end of 2004 <laughs> is, when that, is when the original Full Metal Alchemist hit airwaves in North America. And then it, Brotherhood uh, was, it looks like that was in 2000. Nine is when Funimation started making the English version or started streaming the English version. So yeah, that's a remake in which, hey, some of this is the same and some of it is not the same. Right. Um, So I think maybe that's a good good comparison. Yeah. Anyway, this is all true. But they they, they kind of did the the opposite thing almost, it sounds. You're right. They like condensed the first half of the original anime into eight episodes there. Right. To get to the new stuff where this feels like they're taking the same time and inserting stuff kind of in between. Yeah, that seems 100% right. So now I'm thinking about the difference between Japanese and Western filmmakers and artists. Yeah. Like there's yeah. this kind of and this idea. Process yeah. Also. And there's like this the idea. Side. Yeah. There's this idea here that like once it's done, it's pure. And but that's not the way stories work. We retell the same things over and over again. Adaptation is constantly happening and always has been. Um, but the myth feels, you're saying is. Yeah. Is that, I made like, that film. I'm never. Why would I make that film again? Exactly. Right. Which isn't, which doesn't, the evidence doesn't bear that out because people rewrite books and retell the same stories over and over again. Oh, yeah, totally. Totally. Um, we hope you've enjoyed this. If you have a good example of one of these remakes uh, that fits this bill that we're kind of gesturing at here, hit us up twitter.com slash waypoint, waypoint uh, uh, dot vice.com, uh, gaming at vice.com to send in other questions. I think we'll probably do a wraparound post on the, or our podcast on this sometime in the future for sure. Um, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Austin underscore Walker. Where can people find you, Kato? At A underscore Kato underscore appears. And how about you, Galt? I am on Twitter at MJ Galt. That's G-A-U-L-T. Uh, and you can find Matthew's review by going to waypoint.vice.com or vice.com slash games. Um, the, the header on that is, duh, 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 uh, the new Final Fantasy VII is more than just a nostalgia trip. So, you know. Oh, I see. You've written here Cloud, Aerith, and Sephiroth return in a faithful adaptation. Who's mm. Maybe you didn't write the deck. You probably didn't write the deck. That's not oh, you. Of course not. Yeah, that's not how this works. <laughs> uh, I that's think above- Y'all don't pay me enough to write decks. (laughs) Don't say y'all. Listen, you and me, we're in this together now. We're contractors. That's true. true. All three of us. Listen, none of us are salaried. We got to fucking, we got to take over. Oh, you know what? Yeah. Somebody who has CMS access. (laughs) That's the key. I'll go in. Should I make it, I should make it cloud, I should make it cloud, Aerith, and Tifa, not cloud, Aerith, and Sephiroth, right? Obviously. Well, I mean, uh, we got a big, huge picture of Sephiroth. I, I mean, you can't do. tell Final Fantasy VII. Anyway. It's... Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> um, he has right. to haunt the picture. He has to. He, he does. Exactly. He has to haunt the picture. He is the... Um, what He's is the phantom the... of the Vigo Final Fantasy. Carpathian. Uh, he, yeah. he does look like Vigo. The... <laughs> I was going... Y'all went to such a different place than me. Um, I was going to say... The, as Barth would say, the punctum of the photo. The punctum. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and yeah. y'all went to Vigo the Carpathia. Yo, that that fucking painting has punctum. I know it's, it's not true. Just it does. Come on. <laughs> oh God. Um. Uh. I'm sorry, Dia, that I went to Barth uh, and not Sontag. I know. I know that we we have <laughs> we split here in our in our philosophy of photography. But all right, that's going to do it for us. Thank you again for joining us. As always, thank you to Bowen for letting us use a track, Miss You off the EP Pale Machine. Find out more about that at waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. 
Uh, you know what? I'm going to say even Barrett would agree with this one. Fuck capitalism. Go home. Peace. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here's one that, this is not a question, but it's something that I just realized I, I did want to, uh, I did want to mention. Oh, did I lose it? Did I lose it in the moment of saying I wanted to mention it? Fuck. I think I did. <laughs> just cut oh, this. No. Oh, I had it too. Let me look at my little second. Let me look at my notes. Let me look at my notes because there was one other bigish thing that I wanted to hit before we wrapped, um, and now it's gone. Not Hell House. Didn't want to talk more about Hell House. Didn't want to talk about. Um, there's this great little. This is all. This is all back matter. You put this at the end of the the episode. Yeah. Uh, there's a great moment in a coliseum where there's a narrator, and I just want to shout. There's two. There's two announcers, and they both have lav mics on. What? Yeah, a hundred percent. You can see the microphones on them, and it made me f- so fucking happy. Good, um, amazing. Scott, which, Scotch and Koch. Yes, yes. God, I also love those three, like um, those three uh, recurring like bandits. Oh yeah, the they're good. boys or something. Yeah, something like that. They're really um, entertaining. Yeah. Fuck. Where is? Oh, this is driving me up a wall. Fuck. Uh, I'm trying to find... There was a question that made me think of it, and then I lost that question. Um, 30 minutes. Da, 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 da. What were we just talking... What else were we just talking about? I'm going to see if I can find it. Because there is... Oh, I found it. I found it. I found it. Um, let me give you a lead in here, Kato. Thanks. Yeah, I'm already... Yeah, I'm already All recording. Right, right, let's, we'll, let's, let's, let me get a backup going, and then we'll just, let's just dive into it. I got some questions from the audience also, which is, which is useful. Um, <laughs> no, it's... I was doing the... I was doing the combat music, Patrick. Okay. That, um... Someone just asked in I I put a call for for questions and someone just asked, um, I'll, you know I'll save this. This is good stuff. This is good. This is good. <laughs> they did a bad job of signposting what this game is. Is all I'll say. Um, uh, can we go to time dot is? Yeah, but you got to look at what I posted in the group chat. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Fucking incredible! And it's, Fucking, he, he, made did it. he did it. He did it. Not a it, meme. Yeah. Not a meme. I love it. Not the a leader meme. we need in this time of crisis. It's so funny. He did. He put it as his profile. It's, a, it's such a bad Photoshop. It's such a like bad he's not actually. He could just be wearing a mask, yeah. and instead, uh-huh. I know. he just photoshopped. Uh huh. I want to think that he spent all day on a YouTube tutorial, yeah. like figuring out <laughs> how, how do I to, do how to do this.
Yeah. He's so proud. <laughs> God. It's part so of funny. it's part of the mindset, you know? Pick up new skills. Mm-hmm. Pick, yeah, that's extra, right. Extra time, <laughs> Never stop know? learning. Yep. <laughs> this should he's be gonna, the mindset. He's gonna start doing like the transition graphics and stuff for his uh oh. his talk show. <laughs> if only, if only. Is he doing the thing from home that a lot of people are doing? I'd imagine. Yeah, makes sense. What a world. Um mm-hmm. all right. Um, are we all at time? Dot is. Yes. All right. Let's do a uh, clap at, uh, let's do it at 13 seconds. In honor of Final Fantasy 13, <laughs> which we're here to talk about today. We're not here to talk about that today. Well, there's, there's, there, you can make some comparisons anyway. <laughs> I was going to say, don't, don't, don't start. We're we'll not. 40 we're minutes not, from now. Know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have Brad Shoemaker on this podcast. Otherwise, we, we, we would have to. Um Ah, uh, da, 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 da. okay. Today is the sixth, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. <laughs> Some notes up here. Three o four. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Is it? I'm pretty sure. Okay. Yeah, it's that. Mm, yes. 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 Okay. That is correct. 